you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Denner Dennis Maller, interview artists and about their day job. And these next couple weeks of episodes, I guess we're going to call New York Month, I guess, because uh, it's going to be interviews with everyone that I talked to when I went to New York. I went to New York uh, the other weekend because Megabus had a sale on bus tickets from Boston to Baltimore, dollar each way. And I'm poor, and that's a hell of a deal. So I booked some weekend trips to New York, do comedy, do podcasts. Um, that's what I did. That was the first one of those. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go the other two weekends because, uh, well, I can't. I have shows booked, and I, uh, I'm in the middle of a play right now, which means I'm so tired right now. Oh, I'm in what's called Hell Week. If you're familiar with the theater, I'm in Hell Week right now for one of the plays I'm in. Uh, it's this great play called The Weir. Uh, it's about five Irish people sitting in a bar in Ireland telling ghost stories. Uh, if you're interested, if you're in the Boston area and you want to come see it, we are doing it uh, October 17th and 24th at Terry O'Reilly's in Newton Center, which is one of my uh, favorite open mics on Wednesday nights. They have one of my favorite, uh, the open mic comedy jam. It's one of my favorite things to go to. And I haven't been going to it because of rehearsals and whatnot and everything can have another play company, touring company that I'm involved with. And my first show with them is this weekend. And uh, two days after that, we open the weir for the first show. And it's just so much going on. I'm, uh, anyway, New York was, uh, New York was a great fun time. Oh man. I got to, I met a couple new interesting people that I, that I didn't know. They were recommended to me by another comedian. And I got to catch up with, uh, an old friend, comedian friend of mine, and that is actually who this podcast is with. It's comedian Ben Rosen. Ben and I started doing comedy in Baltimore. Um, he actually started a bunch of years before me, but him and I met through mutual friends. Uh, our friend Aaron and our friend Brett Bean, who is a comedian who basically is the reason why I do comedy. He's the guy who got me into doing comedy. So I met Ben through them. And we didn't hang around a lot, each other, but I think we instantly connected. Um so by the time I started doing comedy, I hit him up. I messaged him and said, hey, dude, do you want to um, you want to go hit a couple open mics? I'm going to start doing comedy finally. And he goes, oh, great. Are you in, in New York? I went, no, Baltimore. Where are you? He goes, New York. I've been here like six months. I was like, oh, no. Maybe it was a year or something like that. So this is actually, and then uh, like when he comes home for Christmas, we've had a couple incidents where we cross paths and just we're like, oh, shit. Hey, what's up? Surprise, you're here. Uh, so when I was going up there, I specifically wanted to hit him up and say, hey, listen, dude, let's sit down and do a podcast. Uh, so we did because he actually worked. Uh, now he works for Twitter, but he used to work for BuzzFeed as a writer. Uh, and I didn't ask him, what is it like to work for the company that has the most hated publication on the Internet? <laughs> but all this at the same time, while everyone loves and reads BuzzFeed articles like we hate BuzzFeed, but we can't help but read them. Uh, so Ben's going to get into that. He's going to get into a couple other things, a couple other jobs he, he had uh, that deal around that, like how he got his job at BuzzFeed. We talk a little bit about comedy. We talk a lot about comedy, especially in the New York scene. Uh, so there's some inside baseball stuff on the New York scene. Nothing like scandalous. It's mostly what's going on uh, with him and his, his experience, which was fun. Um, podcast does open up with me talking about uh, the medical issues I've had, which uh, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard. Um so I'm going to give him a quick run run through of what happened because um, he didn't know. And I like springing in on people. I like surprising them with it. Um, I don't know. I really need to sit down and uh, write out everything that has happened to me uh, this year and just figure out what I'm doing with it. 
if you see me doing comedy, you know that I talk about it on stage a lot. It's actually the only thing I've been talking about on stage. That and the uh, naked woman that came out of my bath uh, bathroom, that walked out of my bathroom the uh, one morning and into my roommate's room who completely didn't notice me at all standing there. Uh, like every woman in my life. Womp womp. All right, anyway. New York was fun. I had so much fun there. I got to, uh, I did, if you follow my Instagram, or if you follow me on any of the, the social networks, you'll see that I got to record uh, right next to Radio City Music Hall. Uh, the office was provided by my boss's boss in New York. Uh, and the studios was uh, where Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh record their shows. Yeah, so it was kind of a serious situation there. It was fun. I liked it. Uh, I got to hang out. What else did I do? Oh, I tried the Impossible Burger. That's what I want to tell you about. Oh, the Impossible Burger. Do you guys know about this thing yet? Oh, it's fantastic. This is not sponsored in any way by Impossible Burger because they don't give a fuck about me. Uh, clearly, this is how much they don't care about me. They couldn't even take the time to retweet my tweet saying how awesome it was. All they could do was favorite. So they don't care about me. No, but it was. All right. So the Impossible Burger. It's coming to call it Impossible Foods. Uh, I think the guy who started Impossible Foods was a scientist at MIT or something. I should look that up, but I'm not going to. Anyway, he's a scientist, and he basically, the way I understand it is, found out that there are similar properties uh, on a genetic level between meat and plants. So he set out to create meat, essentially, from plant genetics, plant DNA, plant byproducts. Uh, you can say, oh, it's a vegetable burger, but it's beyond that. It's uh, a lot more than that. It's... It has iron, iron in it, which is what is in our blood. You know, it has. It's. Uh, they try to genetically make ground beef from plants, and uh, you guys, it's pretty goddamn good. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it was a good burger. Now, maybe I wanted it to be a good burger. I wanted it to be good. I'm not gonna lie. So maybe I'm projecting. But you know what? It was good. Uh, there is a restaurant in New York called Momofuku Nishi that sells it. It's like an Asian fusion restaurant, and they're also selling it. They're the only place selling the Impossible Burger as of right now. I think a restaurant in San Francisco is going to start selling it. Uh, so the company made this, and it sizzles, and it's pink uh, when it's raw, and it cooks, and it has the texture of a hamburger. I, I It has the feeling of a hamburger. You bite in, you feel like you're biting into a hamburger. It tastes kind of like a hamburger, you know? It tastes like a little bit of like a cheap hamburger. It was delicious. It was good. I enjoyed it, you know? Sometimes you have a black bean burger or a veggie burger, and it's not quite the same. It has a little weird off taste to it. This didn't have that weird off it taste. It had the taste. It had the texture. It had the feel of a burger. Kind of a cheap burger, not like a good, like, quality USDA, whatever, like, sirloin primo burger. More like a cheap burger, which I love. I love cheap McDonald's burgers. I love Morningstar burgers, uh, veggie burgers, because they remind me of if you cook, if you do it just right, if you fry it in the pan the right way, put pickles, ketchup on the right bun, it tastes like a like a dollar McDonald's burger. It tastes like a cheap crap McDonald's burger, and I like those burgers. So Morningstar works for me. It's not quite perfect, but it's almost there. So it's good enough. This Impossible Burger, I honestly think you could switch burgers on somebody they wouldn't know here's the problem though i will tell you there is one problem for lack of a better word no pun intended it lacks the beefiness of a, of a cheeseburger of a hamburger and what i mean is it has the feel it has the texture it sits in your mouth right um it has the taste but it just doesn't have the essence it doesn't have the je ne sais quoi of a real burger 
And I think if you didn't know it was a vegetable burger, you probably wouldn't notice it. And the, the, all right, so what is that? What is it that, that it's missing? If you don't understand, it's like um. All right, did you ever drink a Budweiser, and then you drink a Bud Light? It's kind of like the difference between those two. It's like a burger light, L-I-T-E, light. That's basically what it's like. And I don't think uh, you would notice too much of a difference if you didn't know. I think you could switch switch on people. And I'll say this. You're like, oh, Dennis, this expensive view burger. You know what, dude? It was a burger with cheese and french fries, fresh cut french fries, which are all right. They were, okay. well, I guess they were supposed to be french, fresh, fresh cut. And they didn't seem fresh cut to me. They're fine. They're burger and they're french fries. French fries are always good. But, uh. 12 bucks in Manhattan. And I think it was Chelsea. I think the restaurant's actually technically in Chelsea. I don't really know. Please, New York people, don't tweet at me. That you know the restaurant and where it's located. It's basically like in New York area. So to get a burger and fries at a restaurant in New York City, 12, bur- 12 bucks? And the burger is vegetable. It's made by science. You would figure that's expensive. No, this was very reasonable, I think, price-wise. I think it runs for about... 386 a pound, which is a little bit high, I think, for, for ground beef. I think I usually pay around three bucks a pound when I buy ground beef or when I used to buy ground beef. I haven't had a, uh, let's see here. In May, when I'm back to Baltimore, I had one uh, red meat burger that my buddy grilled up uh, with Gouda cheese. And then I have not had, other than that, I haven't had red meat since, since before the uh, cardiac incident, which we'll refer to that because heart attack sounds so depressing. Cardiac incident sounds happy. It doesn't sound like my heart tried to hang itself with a piece of string cheese. You know what I mean? But so yeah, it was. I think it's reasonably priced too. So I was excited by it. It was good. I want more places to sell it. I want it to be. I want to see what this company can do. So anyway, let's jump right in to my interview with BuzzFeed writer and comedian Ben Rosen. I shouldn't get in, I, I shouldn't get into how how I'm what I'm about to tell you because it's a long involved story. But basically, uh, I had two heart attacks in the stroke this year. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Are you I, all right? Uh, you look yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, I lost forty pounds because of it. Yeah, that's uh, a good thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's. I'm gonna look at that as happened. a good thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Holy I did shit. that. I uh, just high cholesterol, bad diet. Yeah. Uh, it was basically a heart attack. I had a 90% blockage. Whoa. And yeah, 100% blockage. T- literally, a heart attack is 100% blockage. I had a 90% blockage. So technically, every time my heart beat, I was having a heart attack. A mild heart attack. A, a mild heart attack. And then. I'm sure doctors let you know. Well, it's not really oh, a heart attack. Oh, if you were on it. Oh. Then uh, <laughs> so like, I had you're that ninety percent. So I'm turning this on. Uh, the they put in a, uh, they put in, uh, uh, they put in a uh, what's called a stent. It's a piece of metal that opens up the heart and keeps it, um, keeps the blockage open. Um, we should all have those. Uh, then no, I could, then it's we a, could eat whatever. Now we no, 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 opposite. No. Okay, uh, you know the the spring on a pen. Mm-hmm. That's how big it is. Oh, okay. So. Would you, when you think about this, a pen spring, you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. And then it's you think about, big it's in, in your heart. heart. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone always goes, oh, that's not a big deal. It's like, it's inside of my heart. And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, four months later, had chest pains again, went back. They put a second one in. During the, the After the surgery of the second one, it caused them a mini stroke. Oh, my God. A mini stroke. How are uh, those? Which I found out three months later was a mini stroke. 
Um, so you like didn't even notice? Oh, I told them I was like, "Hey, I'm having this weird vision problem right here." They're like, uh, "We're gonna take you for a CAT scan real quick. We'll be right back." Yeah. They like, do a bunch of tests, and then well, this everything is, the is only two colors now. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the what the reason why what happened was they ran a bunch of tests, and like we think you may have had a TIA, which is a whatever it stands for. This or that is like uh, there's like you exhibited stroke like symptoms, and we were kind of concerned about that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Three months later, I go to see my cardiologist to follow up with him. And sorry if I'm I'm, re- I'm rehashing shit that's in my bits. No, uh, that's I, in my jokes. But it's basically he, the doctor goes. So uh, have you had any, any complications? Have you saw the eye doctor after the stroke? And I went. Uh, I had a heart. I I had a blockage, not a not a not a stent. Or I had a blockage, not a not a stroke. He goes. No, no, no. The TIA stroke that you had afterwards. I'm like, oh, I didn't have a stroke. They said I exhibited stroke like sy- symptoms. He goes. Yes, because you had a stroke, Dennis. <laughs> I'm like. Oh, oh God! Yeah. Oh man, dude. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you all that. But. No, I'm sorry, but I'm yeah. glad you're better. Yeah, you're uh, better. Uh, you're bet. Not dead yet. You're not dead. Not quite dead yet. I'm so glad you're you're still here. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really been talking about it online. Uh, I've thought obviously it's in my jokes. Yeah. Uh, I've I've just like did, any good comment. Yeah, exactly. It's talk the only way I can pain. deal with tragedy yeah, is talk to talk about, about it. <laughs> So yeah, other than that, wow. uh, I've been telling family and friend one by one, uh, family and friends one by one every cool. once in a while. Am I before uh, any key family members? Any like cousins or something that don't know yet? Because I want to. be I ahead. don't know who knows. I told my mother and my, my I told my mother, my sister, and my brother. That's okay. And I didn't tell my other brother because him and I haven't spoken for years. Well, I'm ahead of a brother, <laughs> exactly. so there you go. I'm sure somebody maybe gave him a memo and a post-it note or something. Uh, yeah, something about a TIA <laughs> scan. I don't know. <laughs> something about Dennis had a, no. My mother doesn't know about the second one. Oh, okay. I didn't tell it. her about the second. Don't one. Don't want to worry her. And she also doesn't know how to figure out. The, she can't figure out the end, so she's not going to hear this podcast. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, you should. That's like a huge thing with my family. It's like, hey, oh, I'm doing like a thing. You want to see? And they're like, I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how. I don't know how ones and zeros work. Yeah. What are these? What is a computer? <laughs> well, yeah, because your job is pretty much all internet. Because you moved oh, up yeah. here to do. It was I, BuzzFeed, right? Because I always think it's a different. No, it's actually so. I moved up here originally. The plan was move up for, uh, for stand up. Yeah, because I didn't realize you were here when because we met before I started doing stand up. Yep. When I was just helping out Brett Bean. Yep. And hanging out with Aaron. Brett Ro- Bean. Aaron. Oh, Beaner. I love him. Beaner. And hang out with uh, Aaron. Um, she's changed her, her married name now. Aaron. Uh, what does? Oh, matter. yeah, Aaron. Hang she out just, with them. And, yeah, she and just see came up you here. guys at shows and stuff. Oh, did she? Oh, she was just up here. Yeah. Oh, good. Aaron Shaw. Good. Yeah, Shaw. Was her? Yeah. This is the all right. Here's the weird thing. She got married, changed her name online. Yeah. And I didn't recognize it's Mahaney or something like yeah. that. And I didn't recognize. I was like, who the fuck is Aaron Mahaney? Like, I don't know any Aaron. And then for a year now, I've just become accustomed to that and forgot what her real name was. Yeah, she's wonderful. <laughs> she's wonderful. I, I I hadn't caught up with her in a while. She just came up and we had a good time. Went out, had some drinks. Yeah, I haven't thing. seen her since she left Baltimore with. The guy. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't even met him, so. I, I realized I've been a really bad friend for a lot of people because I haven't caught up. Like, you had a heart attack. <laughs> she was, like, married. And oh, like, don't worry. There's plenty of people who don't know. There's plenty sure of people in Boston who don't know that see me every day. I'm sure. Like, that's one of my favorite things is to bring that up at, like, open mics mm-hmm. and then just hear the gasp from the back. Yeah. I was like, what? What? <laughs> Wait, are we are we recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> because you moved up here originally. Yeah, okay. Cause I was just making sure because I was like. <laughs> I hope we are. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. Time, the, the, the numbers are moving, yeah. Um, because I've done that once so far where it's like you pr- hit record to prime it and then you yeah. hit record to start recording. Yeah. And I primed it and forgot to hit it the second time. Yeah. I've done that once so far. And so far you've had, there's the lost podcasts. No, it was just actually, it was, uh, oh, you might know, well, I don't know if you know her. Um, 
a comedian. She lives here in New York. Her name is I'm terrible with names. Jessica. Um, I haven't Armour? released the episode no, yet. Sarah Armour. No, she lives at. Oh, Sarah, I know who Sarah yeah. Armour. I yeah. know of Sarah Armour. I don't think I've met her, but yeah. uh, I know also of her good. name. Uh, Jessica, I forget her last name. She lives in an RV, basically. Literally. Oh, cool. Not basically. Literally. She Here? Is a, she lives in New York in an RV, and she travels the country as a touring bartender. And she oh, does comedy man. at night. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, she moved up here from, from Florida I about a year and a half ago. I'm very uh, good at first. Hey, it's 420. Oh, we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just oh. caught that. Oh, Sorry. I guess we're not going to light this giant bong that I brought. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Oh, we missed it. The parents um, are listening. Um. Yeah, I moved. I moved up for to try to do stand up, and then I, in order to to be able to like afford living up here, I yeah. was like oh, I need a job. Did you not come up here without? You didn't come here with a job. I did. So oh, okay. I I was interviewing up here. I was taking the mega bus. I'd come up, do a little bit of an interview, and then come back that night, try to get like an open mic or something or, or do something in. Um, but I originally applied for a job at Gawker. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the in like five years, I'm going to say that about every company I work at. Uh, <laughs> this job, rest in peace. And then I went to BuzzFeed, rest in peace. And the, so you know, you're just killing all the yeah, all the internet. I go in blogs. there and I suck them dry, <laughs> and then they die off. Um, See, I thought it was Gawker originally. Yeah, it I was, thought it was yeah. Gawker that you started at. And yeah. then, I, then one day I looked at you tweeted something. I looked and I was like, wait. Has he always worked for BuzzFeed? I guess yeah, so. It seems like it. Um, it seems like <laughs> I'm wearing like sweatpants that have Buzz. I realized that on my way over here. I was like, ah, I got my BuzzFeed sweatpants on. Um, so the company I, issued. Company issued. Yeah, those Christmas issued BuzzFeed sweatpants. Um, Here's so, a list of the top ten BuzzFeed sweatpants yeah. you are most likely to we, wear to a podcast. You can rank, rank the swag in BuzzFeed form. Take a quiz. Which one are you? Um, yeah. I, I came up here, interviewed for an entry-level job at Gawker uh, in ad operations, which I know nothing about, or I did at the time. And I thought, okay, this is a job that sounds like something that I could do. Um, that's kind of how entry-level jobs work, right? It's yeah. like, oh, I, I don't have any experience in that, but I'm like, I could figure it out. I'm not crazy. And what, what is the details of that job? It's, are you ready to put everyone to sleep? It yes, is, let's do it. it Ad operations is, uh, <laughs> drum roll please, uh, it's when you have a website that has banner ads or any kind of ads. It's the people behind the scenes that are scheduling them to run and scheduling like the timing on it and doing reports and seeing how often they get clicked and that kind of stuff. So there's a system that Google runs called DoubleClick that's very popular amongst pretty much every website. Um, Google bought it a, a while ago. So DoubleClick is a platform that you go on to and, like, you know, somebody buys a whole bunch of ads and they're like, we want a square one and a rectangle one and we want one with a little monkey on it. And then you, like, you set them up for the times that they want to run them with, like, the different creatives on it and then you, you know, track it. It's a very boring job. But it was at a fun company, so I had fun with everybody I was I was like in New York and it was cool and everything was fun and then so it's analyzing the advertise ads. Adver- ads analyzing ads. Okay, I was the reason that ads showed up on a website. So um, I can't imagine that takes a lot of brain power to do other than looking at numbers. Doesn't. It do- it does initially it doesn't. I think what the art of it, if I can, if I can speak for that career, it's a lot of. It's a lot of tedious work, but it's also the reporting is really kind of like the important part. So obviously you want ads to show up, but then you kind of have to give the analysis to the people. of These are the ads that are doing well. These are why they're doing well. Like this is how I would change the creative or this is how I would schedule it to run. Or We did a little bit more there than like a traditional 
you know, website. Um, I could talk about Gawker like like it doesn't exist anymore because it's getting close. Yeah. Um, oh, well, they got uh, – well, they basically filed for bankruptcy because yeah. of Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah, Hulk Hogan. And that on. other – some other guy that they made fun of too. Yeah. Uh, well, there was – Like I didn't follow it closely, but I found out a little bit about I it. I feel like at every point in time they made fun of somebody. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, they've probably made fun of you, me. I'm sure it's happened. It's just nobody read those when they're like – uh, so yeah. dead or Dennis, he's fat and stupid, right, guys? Yeah. Okay, leave a comment down below. Nobody yeah. commented on Let's that. make fun of his heart attacks in order of when he had them. <laughs> so it's, so a, it's a running history. 2016, really bad year for dead or Dennis. <laughs> right, guys? Right, guys? Right. Here's some, here's some sex tape. <laughs> here's uh, a solo sex tape. Yeah, that's um. a, the funniest thing about that story. It's like, uh, that is just, that's really the, the mountain that you're going to die on is the, like, Hulk Hogan sex tape, like, yeah, nobody wanted to. See. It wasn't to me, at least, it wasn't a juicy enough story to be like, we're going to defend journalism off of this. It was like you don't, it, you don't have to show it to everybody. It's not like you know your American right to show a former pro wrestler is getting his, getting his. Dick sucked. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, I know it you, feels you weird. Say it. I don't want to say it. We're right here near like ra- real radio studios, and in yeah. my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to curse. I'm like, oh, that's right. This is a podcast. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so you don't want to see him body slamming some girl. It's <laughs> yeah, you no don't want to see him it. choke slamming her with his own. Nobody yeah. wants to see yeah. that. And they were like, no, we're we're keeping it up. We're gonna stream it. Just link to it or something. You know, they they wanted to host it. Yeah, I think what? was the big that's, problem. Did. I don't know. Do they really think they were going to get that many ad clicks that it was going to matter I think that much? That it, I think it was more just like they they just wanted to to push it. They wanted yeah. to push the envelope and they wanted to show that like journalism is ruthless and it's whatever it is and we can show everything and anything and um I think they kind of had a little bit too much too much momentum there. Hmm. And so they thought that they can get away with it and you know, it's 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 court. So sometimes you can lose. It's yeah. just no. That's an that's an uh, like I I get why he won. Um, I'm not yeah. saying that he should not have won or anything like that. But yeah. Also at the same time, it's kind of an obscene amount of money. What is it, 116 way billion too, or something like that? I think it was way too, not billion, way too million, much money. Yeah, 116 yeah. million dollars or something like that. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's at the end of the day, nobody looked at it. That yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody really stomach to watch that whole thing yeah so. no nobody was getting 116 million dollars worth of views off no, that i don't think so uh-huh. and of course they just went uh union so they they lost all that money paying all those union people uh, what a mess um so yeah i know was, we messaged i messaged you about that because yeah i figured you had an inside no nope. perspective <laughs> i have an inside on perspective that. on at least the ads <laughs> <laughs> You know, the thing is, like, those those kind of stories, that you even kind of hinted towards it when people say, oh, well, was it worth the ad revenue for that kind of thing? On those kind of stories, they don't even show ads. It's not even – they usually, like, take the ads to make sure they're not running on those pages because um, most advertisers don't want to show, like, drink Coca-Cola next to Hulk Hogan's dick, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> uh, well, it's also – they, they, they work really hard. Have, they may not have ads on that page, but – they the traffic, still, the yeah. traffic. They can still tra- count, count that as traffic towards what they charge for ads, right? Well, no. That you still, at the end of the day, you pay per pay per view on ads. Oh, really? Pay per pay per view. You could you could justify it on some level of like the site gets a lot of traffic, and then maybe we can keep people coming to the site because we bring them stories like Hulk Hogan fucking some girl. Uh, but at, you know the actual. 
there's no direct revenue associated with those kind of stories. It's more just like, I guess people will check out Gawker more now that we post these compelling things. Um, and I've been to this website before. So that's a that's about it. Unless you're like trying hmm. to sell your company or something and you want to show that you get a lot of unique visitors every month, it's um, that's not really going to matter. Oh, so those don't matter towards how much yeah. they, they can charge for it? Yeah. In fact, fun, fun fact, uh, as one of my responsibilities as an ad ops person, um, we set up a list of things. Gawker was particularly challenging, as you can imagine, because a lot of the stories were pretty ruthless. They're not very censored. There's a lot of um, things that uh, advertisers do not want to show up near. So it was kind of like a big whack-a-mole game for me of like <laughs> like targeting against. You know, usually you're like, set this thing to run during these times, and then your job is done. But with Gawker, it was like, all right, well, this is Samsung, and they want to run, you know, ads for this Christmas launch. But there's also like Verizon stories that they don't want to show up against, or there's things about their cell phones exploding that they don't want to show up against, or there's like things like... Uh, a lawmaker talking about rape that they don't want to show up against. Like it's, but it was every day. It was like, oh fuck, there was this story. There's this story that's live right now, and Samsung's on the site, and they saw that their ad is running against like a article about some porn star, and like you can't predict that what they're gonna the, get mad. Yeah, or like what the editorial staff's gonna come to you with. Like my day was like, okay, like what are they writing? And like, okay, fuck, I have to target all of these things against that article they can't show up on this page or so you, you found know. out that samsung doesn't want the article to run against x things after it already ran then you kind of you kind of like you know that they don't want to run against sensitive material but you don't know what phrasings or words sensitive material is going to take the form of like at or Gawker. what they'll find yeah yeah so buzz buzzfeed was like when i moved to buzzfeed i was like oh you guys don't have a problem with that like <laughs> what kind of website is this like <laughs> Just kittens, and like there was like a s- ethical standard that you guys have. You don't curse, like. Let's be doesn't curse. They they now do. They, at okay. the time, they didn't really curse. Because I rarely go to the site. Uh, to at be least in, because in headlines, they don't really curse, it, yeah. and also they don't run banner ads. So, um, and it's like something that you may that's or like, may not. Th- that's internet advertising one hundred and one is banner ads. Yeah, you would think. Now they, that was a refreshing thing when I came over there too. It was like, oh, you guys don't run banner ads. Then what are we doing? So, um, oh, well, they they do a lot of cultured content though, right? Yeah, it's all sponsored content. Sponsored content. So that's what yeah. I did um, after Gawker. I worked at Gawker for a year and a half doing ad operations. Then I moved. before you left though, was it only for Gawker or was it the whole Gawker media group? Oh, the whole media group. So okay. Jalopnik, Io9, Gizmodo. Uh, let's see if I can do it. Here we go. Uh, how many? How many? Kotaku. Is it? It's it's. I think they had eight at the time. So okay. it's Deadspin, Gawker, Jezebel, Kotaku, Jalopnik, Io9. Uh, which one am I missing? Shoot. Did I already say? I bet I already said one that I missed. Gizmodo? Did I say Gizmodo? No. Gizmodo and... Kotaku and Gawker. That's eight. I said, well, I don't know. Or nine. Have to, I think we'll have to, re- nine. We'll have to review the tape. I <laughs> may have missed one or two. Um, but they have a bunch of different titles, um, all of them spanning different things. And... Um, yeah, so... I, what's the difference between Kutatu and Iona? <laughs> I can't even say it right. Uh, well, Kutatu is a mythical beast <laughs> that uh, steals children's lunch. <laughs> uh, uh, and IO9. So Kotaku is more video games, and okay. IO9 was more space. Okay, like, all right. Because I, uh, I I would always see a yeah. lot of the same thing between, like, yeah, articles they, between the two of them. They definitely cover, ended up covering the same thing. And Deadspin is sports. 
Deadspin Sports, Gizmodo was, uh, I tech? said was, is is tech. Yeah. They've, like, broke the uh, the story of, like, the iPhone 4, like, way back in the day. They, yeah. like, it was, like, one of the iPhone 3 or 4 or something. Um, the, uh, yeah, they, there was space, video games, cars, you know, and, like, that all kind of blends together because yeah. sometimes, like, you're covering a tech story about space. So it's Gizmodo would talk about okay. it and I and I would talk about it. Um, now... Yeah. Only Gawker is going down, but they sold the rest of the other state to the Univision, outlets, right? Stations. Yeah. I'm so used to, ra- to radio. Yeah, well, yeah, it's whatever. Like, they sold the rest of the stations, right? <laughs> it's like new- I'm so used to just talking about things getting yeah. sold in radio station blood. Yeah, it's it's new media, man. It's whatever you want it to be, bro. So they um, sold everything to Univision other than Gawker themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think Gawker Gawker as a title is just kind of disappearing. And I think it's going to be those other sites are just going to be what they are. I don't know what Univision's plans are for it. They paid a lot of money for those those titles. So we're actually across the street from Univision, aren't we? Oh, the really? NBC building. Oh, hey, Univision guys. is uh, Univision owns NBC, right? Uh, hola, <laughs> <laughs> Univision. Yeah, Univision bought Comcast and NBC, right? Did they? Did they? Or am Did I they? completely making the? Oh, Wait, is this it? is uh, you can't trust anything on this on this podcast. Yeah, I'm not gonna look it up. Okay, never mind. Don't listen. This is <laughs> these are Googleable things. So. Yeah, Google. I'm, I thought NBC Universal isn't that the same as Univision? Maybe someone's under someone's umbrella. I don't know who's. I don't know who buys what. Yeah, I think Comcast bought NBC. Comcast has been buying a lot of things. Yeah. Verizon's been buying a lot of things. Um, NBC's bought. Some stuff. It's all. It's stop, really hard for me to track. I have to stop doing merger talks with other comedians. Yeah, <laughs> so mergers. This, this seems to be a reoccurring theme between me and other comedians. Just talking about what companies yeah. are buying other companies. You should just start buying podcasts and then put people in a network, and then all of a sudden you are the king. Yes, of, except like, I didn't buy any of this equipment. This was oh, all yeah. used stuff I've had for years. Buy it with your charm. <laughs> Yes. Buy it with the sad puppy dog looks of, yeah. I had a heart attack. Come on. Be in my network. My my little heart can't take any more stuff. It's got a Help spring a guy in it. out. <laughs> it's got a spring in it. <laughs> so people have a spring in their step. I got a spring in my heart. I got a spring in my heart. Oh, that's a nice phrase. Yeah, isn't it? I'm gonna it start... almost sounds like I don't hate the world. Uh, there's going to be a point where I'm like, uh, I've got dementia and I'm 90 years old and I'm just going to be at dinner. I'm going to say, I have a spring in my heart. And people are going to go, Grandpa is losing it. Okay, Grandpa. He's not wearing yes, any he's... pants. Why did we bring him here? Hush up, children. You know he doesn't gonna... know what he's yeah, doing. That phrase is just going to be stored in my brain until it just like farts out at some point when I'm older. Um, yeah. So, so uh, when you left to go to BuzzFeed, was it to do the same job? No, I I wanted to do. I was really kind of struggling with it because it wasn't a career path that I ultimately wanted. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted to do from AdOps because if you do AdOps, it's like you could be a manager of AdOps and then you're a director of AdOps and then <laughs> that's your life. Um, so it, it's really was kind of hard to figure out where I wanted to go next. So I saw BuzzFeed as this young. I, it was about five years ago, four or five years ago that I moved to BuzzFeed. So. It was not like a household name. People didn't like. I was telling people I was thinking about going over there, and they were like, "I've never even heard of this site. Is it? What is it?" Um, so I had to describe it to people. Like it's like lists. Um, 
I do. Like, I love hearing a pre-BuzzFeed world description it's of just BuzzFeed. lists of things. You know, like when you see things in lists, and they're like, uh, I don't know. Okay, you're putting your career in a weird place. Um, you're putting your career in objectifying things in an order. Okay. Yeah, okay. I've got a grocery list that I'm making too. Would you like to work for me? Um, was, yeah. How much do you pay? Yeah. So it was. It was a weird, uh, weird transition. I, uh, I had a couple friends that moved over to BuzzFeed to do some writing, and I liked their stuff. I really liked kind of the tone and i thought okay i could i i dig it this is like my speed this is really like how i would write stuff and so i got a job in account management over there which is still in ads but it's more on the client side um because i'm so personal hmm. and personable see i don't know words <laughs> <laughs> so i moved over to account management and um it was it was fun i i felt like um I was starting to be able to express myself more. I had a little bit more personality and I could talk to clients and I could, you know, do a good job. Yeah. You were meeting different people every day yeah. as part of your job instead of just looking at numbers. Yeah. It wasn't just numbers, but it helped to have the understanding of how they, they looked at numbers because, um, sometimes, you know, account manager's job is more, uh, making sure everything is good and they're happy and like making sure that you're, you know, dusting up the reporting that the ad ops people give you and showing, calling out the key things and doing presentations and stuff like that. And also um, emailing back and forth, making sure that we've got the right things in motion, everything's on schedule, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's more on the client side than ad ops is just like in a dark, you know, shadowy part of the office. So <laughs> I did that job for, for a while. It was going well. I probably did it for about nine months. Um, had a really fun time doing it. But I started to write articles on the side, and I was writing things because I, you know, I, we both do comedy. I was like, I want to be a writer. I want to do stuff. So I would write articles kind of in my spare time. And a couple articles that I wrote kind of like took off. They started to go viral, as BuzzFeed yeah. used to say. Uh, pretty sure they still say it. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there hasn't come up with a term that's replaced yeah. viral yet. <laughs> So like and I'm to this day, it I think still, it's still sounds it. dirty. It still Just sounds like gross. My, my story went viral. It went viral, and they <laughs> couldn't they couldn't stop it. It was everywhere. Um, so a, a couple of stories went uh, went big, and it was just like me as this account manager writing this stuff, and I was realizing like this is all all, all I want to do in a work day is write these articles. That wouldn't that be great if that was my job instead of just you know doing it at this. night and and yeah. So I, I kind of had a choice I, of who to ask about this. It was either ask the editorial team, just the people who get to write whatever the fuck they want to write about, or um, ask my friends in ads um, if I could write sponsored articles. Um, and there was a point in time where they were really, they were understaffed, and I was asking them to write, you know, like, hey, we need this thing by this deadline. And they were so strapped for resources that they were, like, you know, stressed out. And I'm sitting there like, uh, I could I could write the article if you want. Like, I guess I could write it. Um, so that was like a turning point for me where I was like, I should just ask this person if I can move over to this team. Um, so I did. She said, of course. They were actually kind of like amazed that I wasn't on that team already. So I moved over and I got a job um, on the creative team writing sponsored um, editorial or sponsored articles. Before that, did you yeah. have experience writing? No. Like did you go to college for with a write, for no. a writing degree? Yeah, no. It was uh, I went to school for business and entrepreneurship. Um, I 
like, writing was kind of like hobby passion yeah. stuff. But that's never... the weird thing about writing. Some people, it's a hobby that turns into a career. Some people go to school for it and turn it into a career. And yeah. there's, it doesn't seem to be any different I, difference I've, between I've always, that, I've, that job, that, that, that career path. I'm so biased on this one, but I truly feel like the formal education of writing is helpful for way less people than it's billed to be. I think uh, informal, like if you're passionate about doing it, I don't think there's anything better than just doing it. and Especially now with the internet. Just do it. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, you need some structure and you need some something, but sometimes you can get overstructured. And so if you are scared to break the rules on how to write, then you're not going to be that once-in-a-generation writer, are you? Because it's like you're, well, I'm just following the, the path that everybody told me that I needed to be on to keep me, you know, doing the job versus like, somebody who you see whose writing is so different but yet compelling. Yeah. And that's the kind of writing that I think people remember and stands out, and it's not the kind of writing that somebody just hit the mark so well on something that has kind of been done over and over and over again. So I, I think that structure has a place. You know, you can't, can't do certain things, I guess. I mean, there's some rules that are, like, you need to follow, um, like writing in language, <laughs> you know, making words go left to right. Spaces are important. Well, you know what? Grammar. In fairness, in this day and age, is is, is language even important with I, emojis? I don't even know. Like, I'm pretty. I'm the waiting answer for that is day. Probably not. Buzzfeed to release an entire section of their of, of their their website written only in emojis and I hieroglyphics. Could, honestly, I could probably do it in just noises. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, we're doing that right now. It's as long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I guess that is language. It's just noise out of my face that we all agree on. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you literally just described the I just described language, didn't I? Well, it's been a fun it's been a fun time. I've had a good time here. Ben, ben where are you going? Come back. Come back. <laughs> no, Bad the door's a pool. It's a pool. <laughs> um yeah. So I, there's a, I, I don't really put a lot of stock into when someone's like, oh, did you go to school for journalism? Yeah. I guess, I, I mean, there's, I, there's, it depends on what you want to do with your writing too, I guess. I mean, um, if you're a true journalist and you're going out and, you know, breaking stories and do it, I, I would put a little bit more stock into the formal education. But if you're writing stupid articles for the internet... Yeah. You don't need to go to school for that. Blo Kids, I mean, don't go to school. <laughs> Save your money. It's for well, rent. It's, it's very similar to me. I have a degree in broadcast journalism. Yeah. And I've watched so many people just get hired straight from an internship for being an English teacher. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm standing there going, what the fuck? Like, yeah. they're hired to be producers or on-air staff or... Dude, not even people, dipshits, who didn't even go to college, yep. start a podcast. Dude, Nerdist Networks has a nine-year-old kid with a with a podcast. Yep. You know? Like, of course. It, it doesn't... You know what it matters? It, it doesn't learned, matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. All I learned in... What I learned going to school for radio and television is how to operate equipment. Yeah. Right? I learned... That's useful. I learned uh, AP style yep. writing for writing scripts. Yep. Which the only people who write AP style... Or PR people. Yep. Nobody writes AP style. Or yeah. at least brags about it the way PR marketing yeah. people do. AP style, baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and Read my very formal manuscript of what happened. <laughs> and that's okay. basically it. Yep. So, yeah, it's... it's. I, I think yeah. the, the benefit to going to school, though, is, A, you get over that learning curve. Of course. 
of, of at least the, from like an equipment technical standpoint. Yeah. Like, well, even writing, like you have to figure out like. Writing is all about story, story structure for the most part. Like yeah, you're telling you a story, know. like for the most part. Like writing, when you're writing yeah. spon- sponsor content, it's not that you're essentially just yeah. But right. it, it also also like some people just like you you don't. It's not a given that you need that that no that training. Some people just are like okay, I just start writing on. Your I know own. how yeah. I've heard stories my whole life. I know how stories go, and I know what's what stories I don't like. It's. Um, I think Ira Glass said something like this a, a while ago. He had a um, lecture or something on it. Um, it might be online, but it was about um, kind of being a tastemaker for things. If you are kind of a harsh critic of something or if you know what is good in a certain field, then you you have the kindling of being a good person in that field. Like you can't know what's good unless you can also like recreate something good. And so like if, if I'm producing something or I'm writing something and I'm rereading it and I'm like, this is garbage. Like I would never read, you have to, you have to be able to say that to your own stuff, Yeah. but this is garbage. I would never enjoy this. I would never read this article. Why do I care? I would never care about my own stuff. Six years in the comedy, that's what I feel about every time I listen to my voice memos app. That's probably (laughs) the best thing. That's the best thing that you could, I could, I think I have emphasized that every step of the way in, at least in stand-up and writing, is like, listen to your own stuff. Uh, Mike Finazzo will be the first one to tell you that I told the seminar year one when we started together. I was like, dude, he wouldn't, he, he'll tell you the story too, but he wouldn't record himself doing stand-up he wouldn't watch himself doing stand-up and i said you need to fucking watch yourself doing stand-up yeah. because if you can't watch yourself doing stand-up imagine those poor audience members what they're doing <laughs> and like if you if you feel uncomfortable about watching yourself fix the things that make you, you feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah like make it better if you in honestly there's no better way to move to to improve than shame like yeah. if you have A if you do something yeah. very sh- that you're ashamed of you will not do it if I say like too much on stage and every time I see the the tape, I'm saying like, I'm like, uh, I just did it. Uh, why did I say like? Mm-hmm. So you cut it out. You don't say it anymore. Dude, I when I moved to Boston, I got a bad habit of playing with a mic stand while yeah. talking. In, yeah. a, in a bad a way. Not just not yeah. not in like I'm leaning on a mic stand in a cool hip like a way. Nervous. But almost a nervous tape. And I didn't I the weird part was I wasn't nervous on stage. Yeah, I didn't feel nervous. I felt comfortable, fine, but I would just start playing with this mic stand, and I would bang it around and move it around and stuff, and it looked weird and looked nervous. Yeah. And I would watch my my. I knew it that I was you probably doing weren't it nervous my hands, because it was working. When I, when I started watching it on tapes, that's when I realized, like, oh, I got to break myself of that habit. Yeah. Now I have to before this probably, gets out of control. It was probably a thing to quell your nerves too. I mean, I bet that. The, all of the nerves were kind of like into that mic stand movement. So. Yeah, and dude, I, like I was moving it like like it was like like a uh, cross, cross CrossFit CrossFit machine. Yeah, yeah. just like I'm just one arm just swinging around with this while I'm talking. How to many the other people end. did you injure with that mic stand <laughs> while you were <laughs> it was up there? Ridiculous looking. Like yeah. I looked like it was that that remember that guy that has the 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 hat and the ponytail. Oh. Uh, he was doing the exercise equipment. It's like the gazelle. Oh, I already don't like him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's terrible. He has a ponytail that comes out of a baseball cap. Like, oh, I, I know yeah. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the gazelle thing. I, yeah. That's what I was doing. Like, I was on an elliptical while yeah. telling jokes. Yeah. It was awful. I, luckily, I broke it within a People few months. People love going but... to comedy shows where the person's also working out yes. on stage. <laughs> he's getting fit, and I'm here enjoying it. He, he's getting fit because... Mm, he needs to he look needs at to. him. He's gonna have he a, looks two like heart, heart attacks, attacks in two years. 
<laughs> I'm calling it right now. That guy's going to have two heart attacks and a spring in his heart. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so it's, yeah. Trading, I mean, it's, overrated. It's overrated. If you and I think formal it, training overrated. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. But I think it's I would tell I would never tell people not to go do it because at least the connections and it gets you yeah. started. It's not it's not a bad thing in if taken in the right. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to do, but if you're motivated to just start writing and getting better at writing, then yeah. start doing that. Yeah. Because all college is going to do is going to it's going to teach you it's going to make you write. Yeah. And it's going to you're going to get all your bad writing out of the way. Yeah. You're going to need to get a lot of that bad yeah. writing out of the way. Whereas if somebody who is post college is like I want to start being a writer, well, you had to write all those bad things, get those out of the way before yeah. you start writing good things. Yeah. I mean, you're building off of your own personal experience. So some people are are built better equipped to handle stuff on their own. Some people need the formal training. It's all yeah. your own thing. What I would say is don't get stuck to it. I mean, do it for what it is, which is I need to learn how to do X, Y, and Z. I need the skeleton of how things are built and then break it, break it apart, rebuild it, do it your own way. There's, I mean, that's been proven in every field across whether it's comedy or cooking or whatever you're doing. If you, just follow the script. It, you're not going to be the best at it. You know, learn how to do it the way that it's supposed to be done, and then reinvent it and do it your own way. And if you if you have any good taste about the field that you're in, you'll probably be able to craft it and do it in a way that is better, is yeah. improved on. Nothing is perfect. Plus, also make friends and use them to get jobs. Yeah, yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah, and always. Let me. I can't emphasize this enough. If you have a friend that has a good job. Berate them as much as you can. <laughs> constantly send them messages. Squeaky oil gets the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show up at their work with a knife. <laughs> no, a rubber not. one, though. A rubber rubber one. one. Don't hurt them. Yeah. No, just scare them a little bit. them around. Um, <laughs> no, I couldn't. Have, that was the thing. I, I couldn't have gotten my second job or my third job without people, connections that I had made. Um, but it was mostly like, uh, we were. T- I was just talking about this with a friend the other day. I think it's a good. It's a good topic, or it's a good point to make, which is um, your first job. Maybe you get some help. Maybe you don't. For me, I, I just. It was an entry level job, and you know that one was. I didn't have a connection or somebody that I knew there. I was just trying to do it, and I got lucky. After that point, um, when you're at your job, even if it's a job that you don't like doing or it's shitty and you it makes you miserable and all that stuff, it's important to just know that. Everybody who's around you and, and all of your coworkers are—they um, are—they are people who see how you work, and they see how you how you are at the office, and they won't—they'll—they'll they'll be able to. Oh, <laughs> we'll do a photo. Uh, I want. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to do it like, nondescript. Uh, well, it, I heard the I heard the I camera know. thing, and, and I was, I was like. like uh, let me turn that off. This I'm going to edit that out later. That's okay. <laughs> no. Now I have to edit something. Yay! Oh. <laughs> Editing. Um, so, but, but I'm was, really bad at taking pictures for podcasts. Like, every time I do oh, the I podcast can, photos, what, what I'll I do, do is, well, we could do like, watch this. We're going to do a selfie right here. Yeah. Let's, because oh. taking pictures on radio sounds so fantastic. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you. So, the, the only other podcast I have where I remember to take a picture of my guest. 
was the drummer for CJ Ramon, my uh, buddy Chris oh, Keller. Cool. And again, it was this scenario where we just said, was like, oh, let me take a picture real quick. He goes, he goes, oh, here, let me take a picture and post it before we start. It's like, oh, yeah, I should do that. And it's just a picture of us taking, taking a picture of, of each other. other. That's awesome. <laughs> pictures are important. Um, believe me, I worked at BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the point I was making is that when you when you work at a company and you hate your job, the people that are around you know you and they're watching you and you don't even know you're doing the same thing with them. And when you're at a, your next job, wherever they go off to and wherever they go, there's going to be a point in time where they're like, hey, we need to hire somebody who does this, this and this. And if it's in your field or if it's in your stratosphere, they're going to think back to all the people that they ever worked with that were in that stratosphere. And if you were just some shitty person at your job who was miserable because the job understandably sucked and you had you kind of phoned it in and you weren't really pleasant, they are they are never, ever, ever gonna recommend you for that job or they're not even gonna think to ask you or to have you on top of top of mind. Yeah. My next two jobs were based off of that. Were based off of look, I you know, I didn't I did not like at the end of my tenure at Gawker, I was really stressed out. And I was doing a lot of work, and I felt like it, it wasn't really – I wasn't really being fully compensated for it, and it was really stressful. And I, I felt like I was going to have to leave the city because I couldn't afford to live here anymore. And I didn't show that to almost anybody. There was a couple very, very close friends that I did, but I was still just like, hey, there's that friendly guy at the office that works really hard. Um, and by the next job, when I had a couple friends who went from Gawker to BuzzFeed – I told them very lightly, hey, I'm applying for this job. I'm coming in to interview. I'd love to come say hi. And I didn't even have to ask them, like, hey, could you put in a good word or do something? Because they were already like, hey, this is Ben. He's coming in. He's fucking great. You should hire Ben. Yeah. And then my next job after BuzzFeed, you know, um, spoiler alert, uh, I work, we haven't talked about the career path, but <laughs> um, four years after working at BuzzFeed, I'm now at Twitter and uh, I was looking for another job and a friend who had left BuzzFeed was like, hey, I have a friend who's looking for somebody to at be Twitter. a create, yeah, to be a creative strategist at Twitter, and um, you should do this job. And I'm, I'm sending. And she wrote a glowing recommendation for me, and I would never have gotten that job without her. So, um, it's not about. There's nothing magical that your friends can do, you know, if you're not that, if you're not doing that on a regular basis. They're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything for you, you know. They're not gonna. Hey, I remember when we worked together, like at this place. Uh, can you put in a good word for me? If you were shitty, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, not, they're going to go, no. I'm not, yeah. I'm not hooking my my ship to this anchor. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no way I'm, like, recommending you for a job if you're, like, a garbage monster. Yeah. That's not and that's the, the, the only reason I've gotten any of my jobs in radio yep. is because somebody recommended me for it. Yeah. I got hired at, Works hard. at WTNT because yep. the, pro, the operation director needed a board op, called my college professor. My college professor said – Hey Dennis, they need people. Call the email this guy or call yeah. him. Whatever it was, I think it was, it was what two thousand one, so yeah. two thousand two. So it was not really. It was kind of pre-email almost. She goes, call this guy, send him a resume, um, and you'll go for an interview. I was the only person out of her three classes she recommended. Okay, I got that job. I became an. Uh, I went from being a board op to a to an overnight engineer because I made friends with the engineers. Then they said, Hey, we need another engineer. Boom, you'd be great for this. I'll go tell. Tom, your who who will be your boss? Yeah, I became an engineer. I got moved over, uh, and I moved up from DC to Baltimore because I worked with the Baltimore people on a on a, an event, and they loved you. And 
they brought me right in. And plus the 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 crossover when they flipped the station. So I was in like thin on that. I came to Boston because the guy I worked with at Z1043 in Baltimore, mm-hmm. I was the producer for his morning show. He quit, moved to Boston. And recommended you. And then he goes, hey, look, I know it's report, it's producing traffic reports, which is not your bag, but it gets you out of D.C. I know your boss. It's a cake job. It's yours if you want it. I literally called her like for an interview, just like pr- doing an interview. She's like, just stop. You have the job. It's yours. Yeah, if you You're want. You're Jackson's it. friend. Just tell me when you want to start work. It's that's like the the secret sauce of the job market is like every single person that you meet is your future is a it, and don't I'm not saying to look at it this in this cold light. Like that's not all they are. Yeah, don't yeah, don't don't look at people I and actually, go you will get me something someday. I'll be no, nice. No. That would be, be genuinely you nice. would be a monster. Yeah. These are like these are friends of mine and I, it's the same thing from my way to them. Like if I'm looking for if we're trying to hire somebody, I rack my brain like who who do I know that is good at this job? Because uh, they Spoiler alert! Another one. They get mm-hmm. they get money if they if you get brought on. If they refer you, they're like, hey, thanks. Most companies are like, we'll give you a referral bonus for anybody that you bring on. It's a huge incentive for somebody to be like, hey, this is my friend. They're great. So companies incentivize that for the most part. But I never even thought about it because no, there is no incentive bonuses in radio. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it, no. In tech, it's, it's a huge thing. Yeah, so. no, it makes sense. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Never thought about it. It's never I'm been always, a factor in my life. Usually when, when somebody says, hey, can you hook me up with something or can you help me out? I'll, I'll try to. Uh, yeah. But you have to do it lightly because then they stop listening to you if the, if the people are garbage. So I, oh, yeah, I yeah. need to have some, some level of restraint if I'm like, hey, you've never done anything like this before. You're not going to make it past the. I have to be real. You're not going to make it past the interview process. Yeah. But um, for friends who've done something similar, I'm more than happy to recommend them. It's great for both of us. And then yeah. I get to work with my friends. I get paid to Even work better. with my friends. Yeah, I work with people who are garbage people, and I hate them and hate every moment of my Duh. life at work. Yeah. And I all I want is to be surrounded by people I like again. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I hired uh, my uh, within. Two months of working at Twitter, I hired uh, my best friend since five years old. He's moving back to America. Uh, he does a very similar job to this. And I said, hey, come work That's with perfect. me. He works seven feet behind me. So ah. it's me and, my, me and my best friend again. Oh, that's great. That's nice. And especially, what, 300, 200 miles from home. Yeah. 300 miles, whatever the distance is from Baltimore. Yeah. That works. That's, per- that's, that's great. Easy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I got off track. Pretty fast. There. <laughs> I will do that to people. Yeah, no, I'm, I, it's important. It's important to to stress because everyone is has this problem that they're solving, which is how do I get X job? That's like one of the biggest. How do I get this job, or how do I get a job, or how do I get the next job, or whatever? Um, it's there's nothing magical about it. It's work hard, be friendly, and things will work out. If you are shitty at work. If you're shitty at your job and you're shitty to the people around you and you're generally unpleasant, you're not going to yeah. get those next jobs as easily. It's no different than comedy. Like, you could, it don't, you hire, it doesn't you, matter you book who's, people who you want to hang out yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. You book shows on who you want to hang out with. And who's it doesn't funny. matter your level of funny. Yeah. Funny is a, pers- a matter of perspective. You, ra- would you rather have the best, com- would you rather work with Louis C.K.? Yeah. If he was an asshole. Yep. And you couldn't stand being around him, but he's the funniest guy in the world. Or would you rather work with somebody who's less funny, but you enjoy being around? Yeah. That's kind of how and comedy I would even books say, down. I would even say, like, 
you know, funny with comedy, funny matters. Yeah. But if you are an asshole, it doesn't matter that much, you know, because people will just say it's not worth it. The laughs are not worth this person. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with anything. It's not. It's not worth it to be around this person. I don't want to give this person money. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't, want yeah. I don't want them to be successful. I don't, I don't want, want them mingling with the crowd after the show because they're going to be a dick to everybody and then people are going to have a miserable time. I yeah. would much rather have somebody who's funny and then also nice at, you know, at my show. Yeah. Somebody who's nice and maybe less funny yeah. is better than hilarious and terrible to be around. Yep. Yeah, and so. that's no different than the job market. Yep. So. No, I remember life. we were Yeah, I remember we were talking online cuz uh I I don't remember why we were talking online. Because it was ASL. I was like, what's your age? And like, I am. <laughs> no, you were telling me you, were, you wanted to leave BuzzFeed uh, and you were thinking about making a move because you weren't feeling creative enough. I Did wasn't. something switch there? Yeah. Because you were doing the sponsored content. Was it? I've been doing it for four years or about four years. And I, I think it just got to the point where there was like, there was like a shift at BuzzFeed. You know, they were restructuring some stuff. And when that happens and you kind of reshuffle some things, it gives you a break to kind of reevaluate what's going on and, you know, step back and look at your job, look at yourself, look at your future. And um, that was a point in time where I, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that job. It's a great job. Writing um, sponsored content. Yeah. I mean, it's where I met my fiance. It's where I um, have, you know, grown as a person. It's like the most fun place on earth to work. And all that was, was great, but it, the creative challenge and the you know career challenge wasn't there. I didn't really see the growth that I wanted, um, and that's it's not really their fault because they have um, a lot of people who want to work there and nobody really wants to leave. And um, even if they did leave, it's like how like again same kind of ad ops problem, which is like how high up can you really go writing sponsored ads or being in this? I mean, it, there's only so many ways that you can navigate that that field and i just kind of felt like you know i don't want to write these articles for these brands every day of my life anymore i want to try something different um and i i still am okay working in ads for now um is that what you're doing at twitter you went back to doing ads yeah i'm still i'm still in the advertising org because that's my that's my path. That's where I, really where my career is right now, and that's honestly where m- most of the money is. So yeah, um, I try that's to because they they bring in the money. They bring in the money, so, so they decide to p- how much they're going to pay themselves. Yeah, ads ads will get you paid, um, and until creative stuff on outside of that works, I think it's for me it's important to still be creative outside of um, doing my day job. Otherwise, I, I would hate myself. Uh, so it's. I do the ad stuff during the day, and then at nighttime it's it's hobby stuff, it's creative stuff. When you started doing sponsored content, did you trail off doing comedy a little bit because you're like, oh, I'm, all my energy is going into I this? Thought, I thought that that was going to be the case at first. Um, when I first started writing it, the way I had imagined creativity was like, well, you have a jar full of creativity in a day, and like if I'm using all my creativity in ads, then I don't have any left at night to do whatever, and that was like really naive of me to think that that's how that worked um it's more just like it's like exercising so it's like different muscle groups but there's no there's no like limitation there's no like jar of there's no you know i only have so much juice in my body for this Um, that's a good because sometimes i feel like that like if i'm doing too much how much like how much can i spread my creative energy 
thin? How thin can I spread that amongst things? Don't think about it like a yeah jam, no, jam that you're spreading. It's like, like how many weights can I lift today? And yeah, you can get fatigue, um, but it, you're, you're also get stronger. getting stronger. Yeah. So I feel That's like... That's a great way to look at it because yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have that thought. It's like, oh, I'm, too, I'm being creative too much to this yeah. aspect. Take a, I mean, you could take a, a smoke break if you'd like, but yeah. like you could still go be creative at night. And it's like, if that's what you do, that's just what you are. Um, there's no limitation to that. Yeah. You may want to take, there's a difference between like creative fatigue and fatigue fatigue. Like yeah. you might, if your job is like stressful physically, then you might be sleepy when you leave. And that's with any job. Um, you might just not want to do anything because you're just like work was so hard and I just want to go to bed or I just want to watch Netflix. That's not creative fatigue. That's just you're tired. Yeah. Um, so that's people confuse the two of those, I think, for uh, uh, way too much. So creativity is not something that you can run out of. It's only something that you can strengthen by doing um, doing different things. So that was how I looked at it. And I, when I moved over to do uh, the work at Twitter, the job's a, a little bit it's, – it's way less involved. Um, I kind of feel like – I'm like I'm almost like in a retirement level job because it's just ideas. I'm just like an ideas guy. I don't have to really like build anything, <laughs> which is kind of nice. I've always wanted to be an ideas guy. Um, like, oh, you know, it would be great is if we did this. Um, that's a sweet. That's a sweet job. <laughs> would it be great if we did this? Now go figure it out, go guys. Figure, honestly, yes. Now I smoke my comically big cigar while I yeah. wear suspenders and sit I mean, back in my chair. The beauty of the beauty of the way that our structure works is that. Um, you know, um, I support I support a sales team with creativity. That's how creative teams work. But um, it's all pre-sale. So the work that I do is usually before anything is sold through. So it's mostly just like showing people what could be done on Twitter and inspiring people on like how you could do ads or how you can, you know, have a message or what your message should be or could be. Um, and then they either are like, well, that's great. Or they'll be like, mm, okay, that's great. <laughs> uh, and either they do or don't work with us. But, um, that's kind of my, my job is like, this is what you could do and thinking critically for them and trying to think like a brand. Um, at nighttime I can do whatever I want. I still write for the Ravens, which is fun. Yeah, no, the articles are great. Thanks. You make too many memes, which is the too best part memes. about it. You make too many too gift many memes. Too many memes. Too many memes. You just have a surplus of yeah. extra memes and gifts at the end of the thing, which is great. It's to vent all my, to get all the creativity <laughs> out, baby. Um, How did the Ravens gig come along? That was while I was working at BuzzFeed. I Because um, you're up here, obviously. I'm in New York, yeah. So I... Always wanted to do work for the Ravens, and I, I read the site all the time, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm like, oh, man, I would just really want to, like, write posts for them. I want to write BuzzFeed posts that they can see and that they can um, – They can know, run. Yeah, they can run these About ads. their games, yeah. And I was like, well, what could I – I had to think about, well, what could I really bring to – I don't know X's and O's, and, you know, I'm not that – in. I, I don't know football to that degree where I – should be certified to write for a website like that. But um, I know memes. I know how to make memes. I know how to do stuff on the internet that's silly. So I reached out to um, Sarah Ellison, who works for the Ravens. And Did you know her? No. But I knew of her. I've read her articles So you just found her online found and her sent her email. an email? Yeah. And I reached out to Kevin Byrne also, who's like the, the head over there. And then he writes an, a weekly article. And my pitch to them was, 
that I work at BuzzFeed. I've been here a while. I have written a lot of articles, some that they featured on the site. I wrote one of the articles. This is going to sound really stupid, but mm-hmm. one of the first articles that I wrote that went viral when I was an account manager was um, 32 quarterbacks and their Muppet doppelgangers. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the first, like, my first big article. Dude, the, the title alone is funny enough. Like, yeah. do you have to make 32? Oh, yeah. That was hard work. I really I really went into the Muppet Wikipedia and found... I would not rest until I found somebody that looked like somebody. Th- 32 current or 32 it, at the time. Together? It was at the time current. That year. Okay. It was 2012. So all the players... So they were all... So that's an added thing. You have to find the quarterback... And then you have to find the Muppet that looks like him instead of the other way around. You can just look at Muppets go, that looks like Joe Montana. Let's do it with Joe Montana. Yeah, or Joe uh, Montana. Joe Montano. Montana. Um, <laughs> it, was, it started, actually, the idea started where my friends and I would joke around about how Eli Manning looked like a Muppet. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, He oh, looks okay. like Sam the Bird. Yeah. Or Sam the well, Eagle. Well, he was, Eli was the punchline of the article where he did all these Muppets, and then Eli was Eli. Okay. Um, so that was like the, the punchline. Um, that was a hard article to put together, and this is the douchiest thing that's ever been said on a podcast, but I got in way ahead of the Muppet Doppelganger. <laughs> I kind of invented the Muppet Doppelganger game. A lot of copycats from the Muppet Doppelganger. Oh, this is going to be titled uh, Ben Rosen. Muppet Doppelganger. <laughs> Muppet, King of King Muppet Doppelgangs. Of, Go- of, of, Doppel of the Doppelgangs. All the titles are... Actually, I don't put people's titles in this. Yeah. I just put their jobs. Oh, yeah. Because it's of, all about jobs. So it's like, this will be writer and comedian Ben Rosen. Yeah. Um, I'm going to title this one... Generous. Mu- 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 Muppet uh, Doppelganger. Or Doppelganger. Uh, Supreme. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, I started doing that, that, that specific article, I did Joe Flacco with Sam the Eagle and yeah, the eyebrows. Yeah. That, as soon as you, yeah. as soon as you just, just before you said that, I was like, eh, Joe Flacco, Sam the Eagle. First yeah. one on my list too, because I start of with course. my, start with my quarterback. Um, so Sarah Ellison picked it up and she has a weekly or a bi-weekly or tri-weekly article called late for work. Uh, and it's kind of a roundup of things on the internet. So she put that, that on the site and I figured, okay, she writes about stuff like what I do. And she and knows who you are. So that's she a good knows who I, And I could at least like reference that and know that she knows that I made that. And so I wrote her and I said, I work at BuzzFeed. I've done a lot of silly things that have done well. I would like to do this for the Ravens. I don't won't necessarily want to get paid because I just want to do it. Uh, you guys cover a lot of X's and O's. Maybe I pick up the slack on the other side of it, which is just general internet memes and similar silliness. to how they hired um, um, uh, uh, NFL net or Fox. They hired like a memer. No, well they f- hired uh, the guy that does all the really good impressions. The fat oh, guy, Caliendo, Ca- Frank, Frank Caliendo, Caliendo, to be part of the. Uh, yeah. pregame team. Yeah, that's uh, similar in that fashion. That's like me. I'm like the written version of Frank, Frank Caliendo. Caliendo. You're yeah. the meme. You're the oh, Ray Romano. <laughs> okay, I love doing my Ray Romano impression because it's so bad. Um, so yeah, I I reached out to them. They got back to me. That was last year before last year's season. Um, they reached. They got back to me within a month, and then they said, "We're we're thinking. Thanks for reaching out. We're thinking about maybe having like a fan voice this year. What was your idea? Like, what's your idea?" And I, like, mocked up a couple of things. I put, like, Terrell Suggs in, in his gra- gladiator helmet that he came out to. In one game, I put him on an actual, like, gladiator. And I, you know, did some other silly stuff. 
And I was like, I was kind of thinking like, you know, do some Photoshop and do some GIFs and things. And they gave it a trial run and it, uh, we had like historically like our worst season of all time. So all <laughs> the fans were like really negative. And <laughs> I, I mean, on Reddit, people liked my article and like the GIFs on the site hated it. It's like, <laughs> couldn't have hated it. I mean, the comments were brutal. It's awful. Still, there's still like, like this year we're doing better and like I I have gotten better at making gifts and like my memes are better and I feel like I'm in my zone. And this year, even still, they're like, this one was pretty good. Like they like won't <laughs> give it to me. They like refuse. They have no I like idea. them. Like usually your last one is better than the I, than the first one. I try to do for, like like a set, like a comedy set, like lead off strong, end off strong, and usually I like to like either the top one or the bottom one. I really want to send it home. Well, the I the reason I say that is because the bottom yeah. is always the one that I want to put in the previews. Yes, for it. So I when I when you, when you know Facebook has a little preview thing yeah. or Twitter has the preview thing. I was like, no, no, I don't want that one. I, I want, want the this bottom. one. I want, I want the, the best one. Yeah, <laughs> it's and I want I make them all. Uh, Twitter luckily has expanded the. Um, size that you're like size of a file that you can yeah. upload um it's now it used to be like three megabytes or three something megabytes like now it's 15 oh so all of the gifts that i make i make sure that they're under 15 megabytes i could make them huge if i really wanted to like they're very good quality on my computer but <laughs> i try to make them small enough so that they can be shared and then yeah. people can take the file down and then put it up somewhere else so um i'm trying really hard if the people on the on the actual Raven site, the commenters are ruthless and they are hilarious. I mean, I I enjoy a good negative comment like anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one guy who I think I've written about this. He calls it the creepy pages, and it's called the funny pages. He calls it the creepy pages, and he's this old man. I like to imagine that he's some old man. I don't know for sure. Yeah. He's some old man. And he's just like this. This is a curse. This is why our team did so bad. Every <laughs> every week he put up something. Something bad happens, and it's bad karma. It's bad juju, and like the creepy pages sucks. And why is this on here? And like, I just I'm like, oh god, can we just win a game so that he, <laughs> like I can prove I'm not a curse? Um, this year we're doing fine. We're three and zero. I've made I've made articles every week, so I'm not a curse. Yeah. Oh, I've um, shared them all every week, and they've been great. Thank They're you. They're home runs, dude. I like them. Yeah. I'm not even a huge sports guy. Like, I support the yeah. O's and the Ravens. Thanks. As mu- best I can, but when I see something Gotta good. Be. Yeah, like, I'd rather support my friends more than I support the team. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. That, those... But also, uh, when I can say, hey, Ravens are AFC, AFC North 3-0, guys. And yeah, we're doing it. to this article that you can read that uh, yeah. click views help my friend. Yeah, they please, please, everyone, read. Um if you're not a Ravens fan, read it. Read it. It's and so leave good. comments. Tell them how much you hate every, every Thursday <laughs> at like three o'clock. It goes up. Oh God, it's it is it is fun. My my window for creating these things as they get like more advanced and crazier, and I'm doing more things with them. I'm trying to like self. I'm self teaching myself how to do After Effects and how to do all these things. Yeah, because I was wondering if there was a learning curve with any of this. Like, how much of this Huge. did you know before? Because I, I mean, can't make a GIF right now. No, it's, I can make a GIF using Bursarito on my uh, app yeah, on my iPhone, and that's holding a picture and it'll GIF. That's yeah. about all I can do. Well, I started the Photoshop. I like I knew basic Photoshop 
when I moved over when I was working at BuzzFeed, and then I learned I still it make show flyers and MS Paint. Get out of here! Call me, I'll help you. <laughs> I've switched to Canva.com if that's any better. Oh no, God! <laughs> um, yeah, I've realized how how rare this skill is. Like no one knows Photoshop. You should all learn Photoshop. You should learn Photoshop. I know. It's just uh, take a. It's a lot of money. YouTube it. Oh yeah, it is a lot of money. To you got it. Yeah. I, uh, even if you, uh, I don't trust torrents that much. Yeah, I've cherry picked it off of a lot of companies I work with. They give me Photoshop for work, and then I get and use it at you know. So or now I kind of steal my fiance's Photoshop that she has from BuzzFeed uh, on my home computer. I oh, have it's all. Is computer. it Creative uh, Creative Cloud stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's the best. It's that was the so best idea they, they could, the, the idea they could have done. Instant updates. If you don't know what Creative Cloud is, Cloud is uh, Adobe. Uh, Adobe uh, Premiere, Photoshop, all that. Illustrator. It's owned by Illustrator. It's owned by Adobe. And they basically t- put the entire system, instead of having to download the program, it's now cloud-based. So you get the program, you log in, uh, all the updates are automatic, everything's done through the cloud service, and you yeah. pay a monthly fee instead of buying this, the thing once. Yeah, that's how, they, that's how they check to make sure you're not illegally using the product yeah. which sucks for me because I love illegally using products. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I... I it's a must. It's like a must in career, life, job, Twitter, everything. Like, I need Photoshop. I feel like I'm someone chopped off an arm if I don't have it. So Photoshop, you can make GIFs with. They're just kind of like really shitty-looking GIFs. Um, you can do okay. you got to go frame by frame. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, it's tedious. Tedious work. So I, I got better and better at Photoshop through my years at BuzzFeed from doing posts and having to do different things. I would have to make photos look better, try different things, do different things. And I was learning from my peers there who are brilliant and um, picked up tricks, picked up things like, you know, moved on, grew. After Effects became this thing that was part of the Adobe Cloud. It was like, okay, After Effects is the next next project. It's really, really, really hard. As hard as Photoshop is, After Effects is like a whole different world. It's yeah. very confusing. There's like, it, it's it's hard. But After Effects lets you... Um, animate pretty much. It makes you move things across a screen smooth, like in a smooth way, so it's not chunky, and it makes it look like professional. Yeah, um, it's video. It's basically uh, yeah, video animation, CGI stuff like that. Yeah. It's usually used in conjunction with Premiere, yeah, video editing program, which I don't, which I'm, I know nothing of. Yeah, um, which I are, learned in college. Yeah, the uh, twelve years ago. Yeah, there I, you go. I, I. I I, See, if you put it in front of me today, I doubt I could be able to figure it out. That's the thing is like um, I'm kind of like building through the, the cloud. Yeah. I'm working my way through the cloud. <laughs> Current project is Illustrator. I've done a couple things with Illustrator, but it's scary and hard, just like After Effects was. And Illustrator's for mostly for drawings, though, right? Yeah, like making your own vectors and you know logos and whatever you want to build. Or, yeah, drawing. Um so it's all really hard. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's not easy stuff. So Photoshop was uh, maybe you would have had a. This would have been easier if you went to college. Oh, where, no. ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Touche, Denise. You know, what, guys, we've turned one eighty on this. Go to college. Go to college, learn some stuff. Pay. You know what? I, you know what? Learn been better Photoshop than? in college. Take that twenty thousand dollars. Pay somebody to teach you. <laughs> Don't go to college. Uh, we're back, baby. <laughs> Go on to YouTube. <laughs> YouTube has tutorials. I actually, um, there's a, so After Effects, Photoshop was, had a hard learning curve. After Effects has also a very hard learning curve, but I was like, master, I'm already like almost master of Photoshop. Now I was like a rookie After Effects. And now I'm kind of like, like middle, somewhere in the middle Novice. with After Effects, st- rookie illustrator. Um, 
But After Effects is really important, really, really good. Definitely, definitely do it, I guess. Um, there's a subreddit called High Quality GIFs. Mm-hmm. And High Quality GIFs, which you may or may not know, is um, High Quality GIFs. Okay. <laughs> they post, All right. So there's GIFs. They should, they, should they should just put that like in the title. Yeah, it would be much clearer. Yeah, make it easy to understand. Yeah. Like, you know what? Everything in life is all about a good snappy title. Snappy title, baby. <laughs> uh, Reddit GIFs is great. It's all your funniest stuff, and millions and millions of people contribute to it, and you can see it. High-quality GIFs are those GIFs where you look at it and you're like, how the fuck did they do that? That's amazing. And I discovered it this past year, this off-season, and I was watching them. I posted maybe once. But I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, this is like, this is amazing. How are they doing this stuff? This is something to strive towards. Yeah. And there's a guy on there who's one of the people who contributes every day, works on it every day, just kind of has, you know, constant poster, truly incredible at it. There's no, like, nobody better. These, he's got his own tutorials online on how to use After Effects, you know, how to do motion tracking, how to do masking, how to do things, all the like, the big boy stuff. So I started watching a couple tutorials and just slowly start building this into my work. And now it's like I feel like things are starting to pay off in that a little bit more than last year where they're all kind of like janky and shitty. But it's like funny. I can take the humor and instead of like I can express it in a funny way in a little gif. And it's so meaningless in the sense of like (laughs) maybe like a thousand people see it, you know. Are they still not paying you though? No, they, they, they always... Said that they oh, they gave a pay. Okay, because I know the pitch was, "I'll do it for free." Just want to. I do was. It. I, I said to them, "I would do it for free," and I'm happy to. And they said, "Look, we're like good guy. Good guy organization was like, we're not going to have you do all this work and not pay you." Yeah. Um. So they give me a little bit of money every week to do an article. Um. It's more than I expected, uh, but it's also like it's not like I can't survive all. Yeah, of you it. can't quit. You're not. You're not no. quitting Twitter to do it. No, and it's also like if Twitter saw how much money I was making from that, they'd be like, oh, "Okay, we don't care." <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not. It's not going to pay any rent. It's not going to yeah. make me a rich person or anything like that. It just shows that there's more money than I make off this podcast. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it'll buy me a couple Zero. sandwiches a week. Uh, yeah. But it, like, it's so I'm like, no, it's away, great. Blown away by the <laughs> kindness of it, and I'm like, you guys really don't need to do this, but thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's great that you're putting that passion into something that you already like doing, yeah, that my, you always wanted to do. My friend asked me if, if I'm going to ask for a raise this year. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I, I would feel the exact same way about writing those articles if they paid me $25 more an article or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's it it's fine. to. I just want to do it. Yeah. Um, and they're they're wonderful, and, you know, they, they post my gifts on their on their Twitter, on the Ravens Twitter, and it occasionally, like, it's starting to pick up traction where people are associating it with me, um, and that's good for, that's good for everything. That's good for a career. And it's a sneaky good for a career. Like, it's not traditional. It's not like, hey, you go to, go follow the ladder up the career, and you're going to do so great at your job. It's like a side hustle, a side project that I do that one day someone's going to look at and be like, hey, I work for the NFL, and we'd love to have you on to, like, write for this or you know maybe you want to be on the show and talk about something you know and it's, it's are just, you would you like to move more towards writing tv wise or writing mm-hmm. joke wise or do you want to be uh no performing? idea i have no, no idea, idea. oh mean, you know so you don't, you don't think about career path i, I try can't not to. stop thinking about career path i, t- I try <laughs> so hard not to i still think about it a lot i have to think about it in the capacity of would i would i would i would i do this what's next what, how could i do whatever 
Um, I said this to actually another. I've been cheating on you. There's another podcast I was on recently. <gasps> I said this on, on his podcast as well, but I don't believe in a ladder structure at all. I think it's, a, and frankly, a dangerous um, thing to have in your head when you're um, trying to figure out what you're doing with your career. I think a ladder is like the most fucked up thing that you can tell somebody for how it's supposed to work. Yeah, uh, It's garbage. It's a totally garbage um, method for moving on in your career. I, I believe, and this is just my dumb opinion, that you should uh, make smart micro decisions with your career. Um, think about your career from a very, very, very short-term basis. Don't think about it like, if I go to this company, I will be able to eventually move up to this role into this thing. Don't ever think about that. Think about it like right now from where I stand, if I just assess my circle of what is feasible for me to get and achieve from where I am, which direction do I want to go? And just look at it from there. Like right now, do I want to be a broadcast journalist? Do I want to be a writer for a site? Do I want to be you know, in ads? Do I want to be in charge of ads? Do I want to be a director of ads? Like can I be that from where I'm stand? Um, and don't think about it like, where can I go to then get to that? I think that that's that you're leaving so much on the table or off the table, excuse me. You're leaving it, whichever one, on the wagon, <laughs> off the wagon. You know, that's like, you're leaving, you're leaving it, uh, you're, you're, you're ignoring some very viable career paths that you don't even know are there for you. Um, my career path was not based off of you know what I would like to do? I would like to be a creative strategist for a social media company and also write for the Ravens on the side. I would never have said that at uh, age 23. I would never have said that at age 25. Currently, this is like the happiest I could be in my job. That's going to change at some point, and uh, it should. If it doesn't, that's a problem. Um, it should change at some point, and then at that point, I should assess, do I want to continue my path at Twitter or do I want to go somewhere else? And is there a better opportunity somewhere else? Um, if you go with a ladder, here's what happens. You say to yourself, I would like to be the creative director of an advertising firm. And then you say, that's what I want to be. Right now, I am, I am scrubbing poop out of a messy bar toilet. But I want to be a creative director at an, at an advertising agency, a big one. So then what you do is you just look for all of the opportunities that fit that path. That, that fit in that plan of yours. So you have a very narrow plan. And then you say, what opportunities are available to me and what fits that plan? And then somebody says, hey, you got this job over at this thing. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. And you say, hey, that's cool. But that's not what's going to get me to be a director of an advertising agency. So no, thank you. And you go in a, a path of like, okay, well, first I have to go to school for this. Then I have to do this internship. Then that internship will lead to this opportunity opening up. And when that opportunity opens up, now you're like 12 years down the road and you're just, you're at some not a great firm trying to be a, something that you've set your mind on 10 years ago. That's not a great, that's, you're miserable. You're going to be miserable with that, that strategy. Well, if this person dies, then I get his job and then I'll be in charge. And it, like awful, awful, awful mentality. You, the, you sculpt your own unique snowflake career path by just going on a micro level. First step for me, I want to move to New York and I want to, I'm, I was a bartender, you know, I was at Spencer's yeah. bar. Um, 
I was a bartender. I'm doing comedy. What do I want right now? Well, I would like to do comedy in New York, not in Baltimore. I want to go and see if, see if I can swing it up there. So, okay, uh, in order to go to, to, in this micro decision to go to New York, I need a New York job. And I want a job that is cool and will let me tweet whatever the fuck I want to tweet. And I felt like Gawker was, I didn't really know them that well, but I, from what I gathered from them, they were like a cool tech company that doesn't really care about me doing whatever I wanted to do. They're and this was early in, the, in early. the early, early. And so I was like, they don't really care. They won't care what I say on Twitter. It's a good job. The office is cool. It's got nice perks. There's good parties. And I'll, I'll just do whatever that job is. I don't really care. I'll do whatever that job is. And then I'll go do comedy at night and I'll be happy. And so I went up there and did that. And then it was like, okay, now that this is not working out or I want to do something more, where do I go from here? And I said, well, BuzzFeed seems cool. They seem like they don't care what I tweet. Um, so I'll, maybe I'll go there and I'll be a little bit more client-facing and I'll make a little bit more money. And so I moved in that direction. And then, as you heard earlier, I, okay, now I'm in this position. All I want to do is really write. There, here's an opportunity. I can write for this site. Maybe I'll just write here. So I made that move and I moved there and then got, you know, stayed there for a while, got promoted up um, to a certain level. And then here I am at Twitter. The, that opportunity opened up and I said, yeah, that's a new challenge at a bigger company, at a social media company. It's outside of media, which is kind of where I wanted to go. I wanted to like get away from media and just go into more tech. And so, okay, let's try this and like this side of it and, and learn from here. So that's where I am now. I would never, ever, ever have been here at this job if I had picked a path that said I want to be a creative or I want to be a you know a creative strategist I would like I've never have landed at Twitter um, I've never have gone through the path that I went on and every step of the way it felt right and it felt good and I felt happy because I was making those like small micro career decisions so that was my long rant but no, fuck it the, makes fuck sense. The ladder. Like, yeah, no, it, you know, unfortunately, I've been doing exactly what you just described or what you were saying don't do. Don't do it. For 12 years on radio. Yeah, don't do Up it. Up until recently. Yeah. Like, that's why I have this. That's why I started doing comedy because I realized, do like, I always do. wanted to do stand-up, but my mindset was put all your uh, your energies into radio, make radio happen, and then you can think about doing stand-up. I would say. And I got, I, I was doing my radio job, not feeling creative, being pissed off and frustrated, and I decided to take my career in my own hands and start doing stand-up. Your biggest mistake is not following what you want like what you, what you, well, not, I thought what I wanted to do was, was radio. To, but you're, yeah, but you're looking at it like what I want. Like, how do I, from now? how do I get my radio? Well, my, my head was, I want to be one of the biggest broadcasters in Baltimore. So stay here or in the, the, the DC, yep. Maryland area. So stay here instead of, oh, what I need to do is get, take a job that gets me better and better and then see where that takes me and then end up wherever I, I'm going to. You can always, it's good to have like a vision for, okay, this would be cool to do in like, 10 years, 20 years. Yeah, I, I yeah. would totally dig that. But don't make your don't make your current decisions off of that. I yeah, wouldn't that's say. That's what like, I did. That's what yeah. I used to do. Yeah, I would say you did it wrong. But no, you're right. <laughs> no. I did it wrong. You did it wrong, man. This yeah. is from my, I ever, ever, my opinion. Uh, all I've been doing this past three years is wishing I started doing everything I'm doing now 10 years earlier. Yep. I When I thought about doing it 10 years ago. This wasn't... I didn't do my thing by design. It, it was more just like out of un the uncertainty of like I don't know what I want to do so let me just focus on what I what I know and it was a very immediate what do I want as long as also I should say this to you as well 
It's not just what you want to do. Like, I just want to jerk off and like, you know, eat pizza. <laughs> not like that one. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean yeah. it like that. Like you're not going to, you're not going to have That's success. That's never going to happen. Jerking yeah. off and eating pizza. I mean, you might, I don't know yeah. if you can crack the code. You want to get that, but there's no ladder to it. So don't walk up the don't ladder. Walk to up it. The la- no, that take every I, other, uh, every other career path that may end up to eating pizza and jerking off. What I, what I mean is uh, in the, <laughs> as a job, like look for the best opportunity for you in terms of what you would want to do, what would make you happy. And don't look at it like money. Don't look at it like, like for future. Look at a job that you think would be, that would make you happy to go to work every day that is within reach of what you want to do and is probably on the outside of achievable. Something that's achievable, but it's going to be hard to get. So like, I could probably do this, but let me press and like do everything that I can to get this because, oh my God, it would be so cool to do that. Um, within, within reason, if you've never written for a web website before written anything, you probably can't get a job writing, writing for Buzzfeed. Yeah. I had a couple people, um, ask me that early on and they're like, Hey dude, um, you know, do you think you could hook me up with a job writing at Buzzfeed? I'm like, no, Yeah. <laughs> you've never written, you've never produced anything that's, I didn't even get a job writing for Buzzfeed like that. Like. You can't skip all those steps. Yeah. But oh, a lot of people do that with me when they were like, when they found out I was working radio, it's like, how do I do voices for a cartoon? It's like, A, two different careers. Whoa. One. <laughs> and two, when have you done any acting? It's like, like, we went to high school together. We went to theater high school, and you were not enrolled in the theater program. What makes you think you're going to become a voice actor? Yeah. Go, well, go I can do a reason. really good cur- I can do a really good Bugs Bunny voice. I'm like, that's no, it? It's not going to yeah. like Yeah, it's similar. Can you do a really bad Ray Romano? <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. You can't. You can't skip. You can't skip too many levels at once. That's why I say short term within reason. If you like, you gotta go. Okay, I'm I'm doing a job right now. What What are the skills that I have at this job, and what could that translate to right now? And don't look at it like a career. Just look at it like a job. And then, then eventually your career is whatever path that you just took. It's, it's not linear. It curves around. It changes. You could drop it. I might not, you know, I, for all I know, in two years, I'll have nothing to do with ads. I'll have nothing to do with creative. I might be working, like, in a fucking hospital. I have no idea. But I'm open to making it as a micro decision because I know I'll be happy every step of the way. There's no, there's no you know, risk in that. And it feels it's nice to have a career where you're happy. And as long as you do that, then you you win. You win the game. Let's so. change subjects real quick. Um, Thank God. <laughs> so this... we talked about porn. <laughs> well, you mentioned your fiance earlier. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And we... I want to say that you guys just did that trip. Uh, and fuck you. <laughs> Those on. fucking panoramic photos where everybody was on one side Can and I... then on the other were fucking brilliant. Yes. I love them, <laughs> and I hate you because I want to do it now, but now I can't because you did it, and I completely you can do got it. Oh, I'm totally going to do it, but yeah. I just just know I got the idea from you. Yay. I love it. It's brilliant. I almost did it the other day. I do a comedy quote. By the way, you got to come out to Boston. Yeah, uh, sure. We but, were, uh, I was there for like two days the other day, and it was, sorry, it was for my, my sister. Well, she wanted us to hang out and... She's, Does she live in Boston? No, she's oh. in South Carolina. She okay. was visiting. It's long. Time All right, whatever. I'll I'll set you up with 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 comedy people, but also in the summertime I do this thing. I do a comedy cookout. Where cool. I do a, co- a comedy show slash cookout in my backyard. Awesome. And I did a pan panoramic photo, and I wanted to get my buddy who was one of the comics on the show. He was standing here. I was like, 
run over here while we do this. I want to get him to do it. I was like, no. I like how you still whisper, like in the panorama. (laughs) Well, there was a comedian on stage, so I was reenacting the entire thing. Oh, yeah. I was reenacting. I was like, get over here and let's not talk too loud during. Joe Galvin set or whoever it, the hell was on stage. It actually, it actually happened. The idea happened by accident where I was like doing a panorama and somebody had walked over there and I was like, oh my God, yes, this, like, let's make this a thing. You go, you know, you're on the left side. Now you're on the right side. What? It's brilliant. Crazy. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, uh, what was it? Like a, a pickle suit or a, a, a taco suit or something? He's holding a, he was holding a big pizza. That's what it was. Pizza. Yes. Holding oh, a big pizza. it was brilliant. I loved yeah, it. That's fun. Um, the reason I bring this up and bring up the fiance is because... We've never talked about this. I think no. I heard it. What, what I'm going to tell you, what I ask you about, I've been wanting to talk to you about for a long time because I heard you talk about it, and I think it was digression sessions. Yeah. Um, Asexuality. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I find that subject fascinating when I was listening to it. I looked yeah. into it. I still don't know if I fall into that category or not. Sure. So let's talk about asexuality because yeah. somebody who's ase- who – yeah. Are you? Do you still consider yourself asexual? I don't. I don't think that it would be. Or should we describe what asexuality yeah, is? Okay. Because I used to use the word asexual as in like high school as a joke. Yeah. Say, oh yeah, I, rep- I uh, I'm I'm like a single cell amiga. I reproduce asexually, yeah. and that was just my way of saying, yeah, like I jerk off, yeah, uh, or whatever, yeah. But I didn't realize that was a real term or Until... a real thing. So what yeah, exactly so, is so asexuality? asexuality is not really having a um, sexual desire for either gender. So it's you don't really care for either one. Sex isn't like something that you would think to do or would like or really truly understand. Um, I I had always had problems like when it came to relationships and things like that because it was just like super not into it. Um, and you, would you feel like the f- a feeling of apathy? Would that be the? It was just it was boredom and confusion and like I don't I don't care I don't why is why are we doing this like like any time it came to that it was always like a very much like I don't want to get into this part of like a relationship like and I never really had relationships because of it because it was like I would start one and then it would be like this isn't gonna be a thing um, so. Yeah, for forever that was confusing because I didn't know what was going on, and then um, I discovered that world, and I was like, I discovered that term, and I was like, well, this is very helpful through um, uh, through a therapist, through no. just searching online. Internet is great. I found it on the internet. And I started reading about it. I was on a forum about it, and I was like, oh my god, this is exactly, this is exactly how I feel. Um, so, every to me, everything is on a big and you've heard this term before it's not revolutionary but um everything's on a section uh, on a on a uh sp- i just spectrum mm-hmm. i just lost the word for a second um i'm having my first stroke <laughs> um Dude, every time i have a headache i'm like stroke yeah well because i get headaches from eating too oh, much no. salt now no yeah if i eat like if i eat uh, too much sodium if i eat something that's high in and sodium salt is the best. i get a headache oh it is so wonderful i get a headache and then i have to go Wait, am I having a stroke again, or did I eat a bag of pretzels? It's the pretzels. Pretzels. Okay, no more pretzels. <laughs> Be safe, sir. Pretzels are so great. Anyway, you're um, on a spectrum. Everything's on a spectrum. Uh, I wouldn't even think of it like, don't think of it like a color gradient. You know, like when I say spectrum, you probably think of like the Rainbow. Centrum lo- logo. Oh, yeah. cent- <laughs> you're like, a oh, spectrum. <laughs> like, I'm a red. Uh, <laughs> I think of it as like a graph, like a XY type thing where like... Cosine, you, sine, yeah, graph. Yeah. You could, you could uh, on a horizontal... On the, on, I believe it is the x-axis. Um, across the x-axis, you could probably plot it as like men, women, and both is probably in the center, somewhere in between. 
Um, and some people are probably like the people who identify as bisexual are probably like, yeah, I'm like mostly into men, but like may I also like fool around with women. Um, but it's like primarily men, like, or it's like, I'm really into men and I zero women yeah. or it's like, Oh, I'm like, you know, 50, 50. It's everybody kind of plots themselves on that graph somewhere. And I think every, when you ask people who identify straight or bi or gay, where they stand on that graph, they'll they'll put their dot all over the place. People yeah. are very different on that. And also in terms of sexuality, the y-axis of how much you like sex, how little do you like sex. Um, you can plot yourself there as well. I really, really rapist level love sex. Like I can't <laughs> function without it. Or like Bill Cosby level. Bill Cosby level. I must drug people to have it. Yeah. Or it's on the lowest end of like it is an absolute zero to me. Um, I never felt like an absolute zero. Um, so whenever I talk about it or whenever I did talk about it. Aren't you glad I didn't follow up with like, so you never, you never felt like zero, but you never felt like a rapist either. Never felt like a rapist. <laughs> um, I never felt like a zero, like a full on zero because I'd always talked about how I, I, I find that women are, are beautiful and I, I, attractive, I'm yeah. attracted uh, to them in that way, but sex never made any sense to me. I never understood it, and I was like, I don't get why this is important or why this is a thing. So I wasn't a, a full-on zero, but I was definitely below the threshold of, like, if you came up to me in the street and you're like, will you bang this girl? When does that happen? <laughs> uh, if, like, it was ever a situation well, where... New York, the city of dreams. Yeah, right? If there's ever a situation <laughs> where, like, I'm at a bar and, like, I'm talking to some girl... What is like? What is the simplest way that I can explain this to you? Is like asexuality. I, I'm really. This is not going to go well for you. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, so it, for it's, her, yeah. For her, yeah. I, I'm not. If you, if that's what you're looking for, I'm not into it. So um, that was always my identification. That's how I, I explain it. Currently, so I met I met Casey at work, um, and she she and I just hung out for a really long time. We were like super friends we were really into like i would go over to their house all the time and hang out with her and her roommate it was just like pure like joy hanging out with them i had such fun we were like joking around we just like the more i hung out with her the more i wanted to hang out with her so that made me develop really strong feelings for her and i told her all of these things and she knew my deal um because we're friends and um we just kind of were like, all right, well, let's see where this goes and let's have a relationship together. And um, we knew that sex was going to be kind of like this weird thing. Um, this is going to be something that we would have to work on and um, over time and maybe it's something that we built. Um, and we we put in some time and we built, you know, built that in at a very minimal level in our relationship. Uh, uh, we did the sex. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if that's the question that people are probably wondering, did they do the sex? Yes, we did the sex. Um, it was great. And like, it, it is something that this I... It was a very Rachel Ross, will they, won't they? <gasps> When's they it going to happen? Yeah. We did the sex. Um, I like calling it the sex because it's fun. Um, so we did the sex and uh, it was great. And I had, I had a great time. To me, it was, it's still never, it's still never at the point of a priority for me. And um, there are times, uh, probably more than her, where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, we could do that. And it's something that we share together, and like, I I think that me knowing her to like, enjoying her to like that deeper level of how you know who she is, 
is so much more like helpful than just having like a meaningless I don't think I could go out and just like have sex with somebody that I didn't have that connection with. So um, we we share that and we really don't do it that often, but that's kind of like both of us are kind of on the same level. Yeah, she's and it's it's not something that's like an issue with us because it, it comes from her, too. She doesn't really I think she's like similar to me in that regard where we're both kind of like not sexual people. So um, not a focal point of our relationship. And we still kind of, um, you know, we, we have the best time together. Um, but uh, to identify as an asexual would be like you still have to like. I still look at that that spectrum and that scale. And it's it's almost at this point, like it's not even worth me saying one way or another because it, it would only kind of like you just get a very confusing answer i would say no but yes it's like okay. I, so you've progressed a little bit from the spectrum saying think, yes no i'm asexual i didn't even think it was on the table i i didn't think i would ever really have sex with anybody i have and i enjoyed it and so i'm like okay i enjoy it i like it but it's not a it's still not a priority it's still not a thing for me but it's definitely not a zero and it's not it's a little bit bumped up from where it was before but only because i found somebody i really care about you shared those moments with. so yeah it's kind of like right now it would be like it would be bizarre if i was like yeah i'm asexual and someone would be like well what you don't have sex with her i'm like oh yeah we've had sex and then it'd be like okay so you're not asexual and then i'd have to be like well let me pull out a chart (laughs) as you can (laughs) see i would plot myself here on the graph it's the same thing that it was before, which is like um, the easiest way for me to describe it to you and for us to move on with our conversation <laughs> would be this. And earlier on, that was asexual. Yeah, yeah. And then I can give you some intro. I can give you a pamphlet and Here. you can read it and then we can move on. And if you have other questions, you have questions. Uh, now it's more like it's more. Is it's, it more like is is it more like it, asexual? It would. Yeah. <laughs> like it, you're, you're Jewish. Are you gonna be asexual? It would, it would take me. It would be more. Uh, it would be more intense to have to explain asexuality at this point, or to, than it would be for me to just say straight. So it's like the you use the label. Labels are meant to define you to make things more efficient. Yeah. To make things easier. Oh, you're gay. Yo, here's Tom. He's great. You guys will get along. You're gay. He's gay. You're both gay. Yeah. Have a great time. Talk about the gays. That's not how it works at all. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but that the you use that label, it's important so you can you can be efficient and you can do do things operate efficiently. Asexual label was efficient and important for me because that's how I felt and that's what I wanted and that's who I am. Right now, if I said that it would cause a lot of confusion and a lot of questions and it's easier for me to just say, "Yeah, I'm straight." But I'm not really. I mean, if I we really want to get into it, I'm not really that sexual. But I'm I'm straight yeah. and I'm with I'm I have a, gonna have a wife. Because so. there's a lot of things, and this is why it's fascinating. One, I didn't know it was something, and two, a lot of it made sense to me. Yeah. When I heard you talk about it before. Yeah. And when I looked into it, I was like, it's almost like two thirds of it. I've. Not yeah. even. I wouldn't even say two thirds. Plotted on the graph. Like <laughs> maybe a third and a half. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, I feel that way. And then the other... Three... Three-sixths? Yeah, three-sixths. Is that math? Did I math? Did I math bad? I math bad. A third and a half... I can't turn things into verbs. 
it's bad. It's bad because that was half and that's yeah. wrong. It's like a third and one half of a third. That was just three sixes is yeah. half. <laughs> so that was bad math. It would be, I agree. Yeah. Uh, okay, so out of Five nine... Five twelfths? All right. A scale of one to ten yeah. of things I would agree with, I would say... Four? Uh, no, it's probably more than four, so it's probably more than half. So, yeah, okay, two-thirds. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of the things I agree with, maybe. Yeah. And I, I, I identify with. But there's a whole third that I don't identify with that's the strongest... That's more stronger than the two thirds I agree with almost. Right, and I still need to look into it myself personally and and figure things out. But it's kind of like if I said to you, "Do you like chocolate?" And you could be like, "Well, yes, mm-hmm. I do like chocolate." And I would give you a piece of white chocolate, and you'd be like, "Oh, I don't like that." And I'd be like, "Okay, so you like chocolate, but you don't like white chocolate." So you can like you can dig down into the details of something like, "Are you straight?" Yeah, I'm straight. Okay, well, um, you know, I I don't know. I'm not gonna. No, straight. Gonna, yep, you're right. So, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like, are you straight? Okay, yeah. I know I'm sitting with my legs crossed when it would tell you probably well, no. <laughs> well, you're, you're straight, so um, here is uh, somebody that I found that wants to have sex with you. Will you have sex with this person? And you're like, well, uh, I would like mm. to get to know her, and yeah. maybe she's not my type. I'm like, okay, oh, I thought you were straight. This is a girl. You're a guy. Wouldn't you have... Do the sex. Wouldn't you do the sex? Do the sex. There's le- like there's there's v- so many different reasons why and how you answer those questions or you do certain things differently than other people when it comes to your sexuality. It's not we very much very much like to just be oh yeah, we very much like to just be this is how it is. And not a lot of people look into like okay, well, there's probably other options on the table. There's probably other boxes I could check off or scales that I could slide or anything like that. So um, it's sexuality is people have said it's a spectrum or it's, it's a thing I would say, yes, it's a spectrum from like, there's a guy, guy, girl ratio of how much you want to have sex with something or like how much you're willing to say one, one gender is attractive versus another. Um, or if you have secret fantasies about Ryan Gosling and you're straight, but maybe you like Ryan, I don't know, whatever your bag is, but that everything's on everything's on a very customized board that you have inside of your body and it's not wrong there's nothing fucked up about you for wanting certain things a certain way or how you yeah. are unless you're no, a monster yeah. i mean i mean i mean the, the rapist end of it is probably bad um if you're not hurting anyone then yeah, you're probably, fine yeah. yeah yeah as long as it's just just yeah. for you did you um, did you see see a therapist and talk to a, talk any of this I through with a therapist for a little while did i talked to a two therapists about unrelated it was more about like stress levels that was around the gawker job i was pretty stressed out um we got into a whole bunch of other stuff didn't didn't really. You don't have to go into the details of a therapy session, but I was no, wondering if, if somebody who's hearing this, like me, or somebody yeah. else who hears this, and they 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 you know, like I've go. already looked into this a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is something I should follow up with more. Somebody might identify with what you're saying right now, and yeah. it may hit them the same way it hit me Jeez. the first time I heard you talk about it. That maybe they kind of need a path. Like, is would yeah. talking to a therapist be worthwhile? Is there so. people who specialize in this? Because to me, it's still. Unclear. Un- is it unclear as yeah, business, though? Her, her, she touched on it very lightly. It was like an introductory type stuff. Um, she thought that there was some, maybe some, she didn't, she didn't think this, but she, maybe she didn't. She was saying, I don't think this, but um, when maybe she really did. But she was saying, uh, like, a Freudian would say that the reason why I um, am 
identify as asexual is because I didn't grow up with a mom. My mom passed away when I was two. So she said, you probably never went through the Oedipus complex, uh, complex. stage. So you, you, yeah, maybe no, you're, you don't have a mother to like go and emulate and find, uh, which I thought at the time was, was interesting. Um, but I mean, then uh, like here I am with a fiance and I guess an Oedipus I would say, okay, well that doesn't, that, you know, I'm attracted to her from her personality and from who she is. Not because she looks like your mom. Yeah, and like there's that that theory kind of like goes away when I'm like, well, I really. So what we're love saying her. is she's not skinny, missing eyes, and a mouth. You're right, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Like I met my fiance. She was under six feet of ground. Yeah, it's exactly. She was a skeleton. She was she was clawing her way out of yeah. a coffin. <laughs> yeah, she, she's that's a what vampire. I Halloween's a big thing for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I thought the theory was was worth bringing up. I don't think it was particularly helpful. And it was at the time too, I was kind of like, well, okay, yeah, I guess, but that doesn't really change anything. Even if that was true, like that's not going to change how, who I am. Yeah. I'm going to say something that might get me in trouble with people. Uh, oh, I'm ready. But I, I well, I'll open the statement with everyone's sexuality, whatever your sexuality is right. Yep. Okay. Whatever you feel is right. Whether it's a, a gay, straight, bisexual, Fully transgender, whatever. However, I'm not an, I'm not a person that believes, and it's this is on sure. the topic of her going. You didn't have a mom, that's why you have this way. Um, that uh, homosexuality is influenced by. Well, well it's not mean. a choice. I uh, first and foremost don't believe anybody yeah. who says it's a choice and they can choose not to be. Yeah. No, you're a lot wrong and you're a liar. I also, unfortunately, this part will get me in trouble. I don't believe you're born that way. I think it's, mm. and this is a bad way of saying it. Go for it. But I think it's the best way is to say it is it's almost tampered wiring. Okay. Whereas I think uh, something in your life influenced you to change into – because I don't think being being gay is that natural. I don't think you're born gay. There's mm. something that there, – there, there's a reason why a lot of people that this have – going to get you in trouble. <laughs> it is. And again, it's not – they're not wrong because you're gay. Yeah, it's something happened that changed your 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 brain's thinking, and yeah. this comes from. And I'm not a, obviously not a medical expert or a psychotherapist yeah. or whatever the, uh, any expert in that. This comes from an opinion I formed from listening to a lot of Loveline and mm. researching a lot of things that there's a, a pattern to these things. Yeah, you know, like women who are over overtly de- uh, destructively promiscuous all have a similar pattern background. Yeah. Uh, divorced parents, abusive father, stuff like that. Sure. People who have a, a ho, uh, who have homosexual tendencies or who live a homosexual lifestyle, all not all, a lot of them have. And I don't want to say all because somebody's going to email me and go, I, "I was never abused or touched by anybody, and I'm gay, and you're wrong." And I, I don't know why I made them sound southern, but yeah, I feel like maybe well, <laughs> gay people are always southern, yes, right? But it, it's a lot of them have happened. Some some of them have had that. A, mo, a vast majority of them have, have had that that trauma, yeah. and I think. That is something w- that maybe that she might be. I will. I'll, I'll her pick thinking up, might not be wrong. Yeah. Of that, maybe. I'll pick up. I'll pick up where you are, and I'll take you to a safe space. <laughs> um, I think that save me from myself. Let my me mouth. save you from yourself for a second. No, uh, I think first of all, everybody, you're not, you're not a monster for having an opinion on this. Yeah. I think because in the end of the day, nobody really knows. So um, you can't conclusively say, like, you're fucking wrong, dude. I The way I think about it would probably be your, your term of tampered wiring is, I think, is... It's a bad analogy, no, but I, I can't I think, think it, of a better, better I think term. It's, I think it's 
okay, I think it's okay, but I, I would say that it's more of like you have you have a, a little bit of wiggle room. And I wouldn't say that, I think that there are some things that can push you in a direction, but I think at your core, you are you are in like a range. So like, I think if somebody is, uh, is gay and they're saying, you know, I've, I've always been gay, I've always felt this way. Um, I think that they were, I think this is me, I think that they were born that way. And I think that the degree of, I'm going back to my patented graph. X Y graph. Where they where they sh- yeah where they shift on the graph because everybody kind of talk. There's a lot of people who talk about how things change as they get older and how they, you know, how they mature and you know what they experience. I think that there's a range for where you can slide around on that graph. It's I think it's just really either hard, rare, or impossible to go from to slide from one full on. Like I am so straight. I am so goddamn straight. Mm-hmm. And like you're like not just telling people, but like feeling it to all the way like the gayest. I will. Ne- I am disgusted at the <laughs> other. You can't go. I feel like that's too far to go in a sliding in a sliding scale. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody's like felt that change or something has happened in their lives that was so like shocking or jolted them out of it or you know whatever well i think that 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 but, my, my temper wiring starts young like i don't sure. think anyone who's going to go in your scenario that you bring up nobody's going to have an abuse sure. situation and all of a sudden go f- be straight at 27 and then 28 turn gay because of sure a thing you're already your brain's already developed by that yeah it's the mm. st- early stages in life that somewhere wires something happens crossed. yeah maybe i maybe i just i feel like it's such a unique it's such a unique thing to yeah. me. It's not like this, that, or the other, and there's no real pattern between how people have been raised and how they've, like, their sexualities. I haven't personally researched any studies on it, but I'd be interested to see, um, like, the data, the statistics behind, like, what kind of households people who are gay were raised in versus, like, straight. But my gut would say that, you know, it's all colors under the sun type of upbringings where people were gay and um, some people were raised in strict households and some people were raised in liberal households and some people were raised by gay parents and turned out straight and some people were raised by straight parents and turned out gay Um, and everything you know some people were raised by lesbian parents and turned out to be a lesbian and like there might be there might be something early on that kind of shifts it but I don't I still don't believe fully that somebody starts out one way and then within the first couple of years is is on the other side i think like your makeup is a certain way and then you can kind of shift it around a little bit in life i've known people who are bi who didn't always identify as bi that now are yeah. i know people and like strongly didn't and like are were like shocked that they had those feelings at a certain age um and i feel like that's kind of within range of like maybe this person was on on my graph, the eighty percent into men and twenty percent into women, and then that shifted to like sixty forty or maybe fifty fifty or something in that that range, um, or or from a sexuality standpoint, from from zero to thirty or from um, you know a hundred down to like sixty. Yeah, and that which is kind of something that happens naturally. Anyways, you get older is like you may be like a, a feral young man when you're you know twenty five going out just hitting clubs, looking for whatever you can find. And then 
you're 70 years old and you could care less about that kind of stuff or you know maybe it yeah libido you know, and stuff like libido. that changes yeah. changes and stuff, yeah. slides but that's more um, natural but yeah from a sexuality standpoint like from where you where where you point the thing <laughs> if i can get <laughs> real crass the, where you point the thing for the sex yeah where you point the thing for the sex <laughs> it, it all changes i think it yeah. all i think there's a there's a bit of a slide you can stay where you are or but I don't think that it's it's too influenced early on. I, I think it's just kind of, it is what it is. There's a great comedian from Boston who's now living here in New York, uh, Taylor Connolly. Oh, yeah. Um, Taylor has this fucking brilliant joke, and it's uh, I'm going to tell his joke. because it, Tell his joke. It's a great joke, and you guys should look him up. Uh, the his joke Twitter is... handle is at Taylor, I don't know, <laughs> at Taylor Connolly? I think there's an underscore in it, maybe. Underscore. Anyway, uh, but this is what it is. He's bisexual. Mm-hmm. And his, one of his open jokes is like, yes, I'm bisexual, but it's not like one of those bisexual credit cards where it's like, buy now, gay later. <laughs> okay. I just love that. I love yeah. the joke so much. And it's like, I, it's not a joke I can ever tell because yeah. I don't identify that way. Yeah. But I could tell. You could tell you, on behalf of I, him. Yeah, I could tell on behalf of him. Yeah. Uh, so look up uh, Taylor Connolly if you like jokes about uh, being truly bisexual. Hell yeah. Uh, he's a great <laughs> comic, but. Uh, all right, so yeah, two comedians sitting in my, in my boss's boss's office is not going to figure out troubles no, of sexuality in the world. We're not. But gonna, we, we're, at least we can agree that uh, Caitlyn Jenner still murdered somebody with her car. That happened. Yes, undisputable. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. So, so that was a very very long answer to your question, where I would say, not not really asexual anymore. I can't really identify as that. I would say that I've I have slid over to the straight side. Oh, good for you. Yeah, but I would I would also still classify myself as the <laughs> bottom rung of sexuality on that straight side. Asexual. It's I like that. I think sexual. I like that. I think that's I think that's the answer you should use from now on. Yeah, it's asexual. It's like the the it's the the internet meme of like the circle and the a- arms in the air that are yeah. stick figures. Yeah. <laughs> the Japanese emoji. Yes. The emoticon. Uh, and how's that? All right, and we'll finish up with this. How's the New York comedy scene been for you since? Because you started uh, in Baltimore, yeah. started like Baltimore. I did, and I moved to Boston, and I, I immediately went, "Oh, everybody here is so much better than me." Yeah, I have. Uh, maybe there's a there's a timing coincidence with it too, with like ramping up with like wedding preparation and stuff like that. I've really, really used this as an opportunity to take a breather, and it has been nice. Uh, I think February was my last last time I was up. Like February, really? February. So, uh, been a while. Uh, Dude, I recently took 15, not took, I realized I hadn't been on stage in 15 days and freaked out. Yep. Went to an open mic. I was like, oh, this is so difficult. Why did I stop oh, doing this? Oh, I know. This? And it gets more like, difficult every you're day. you're at, what, seven months now? Yeah, something like that. It's great. <laughs> Eight months? Yeah, it's October so now. I have this happiness thing going for me. No. Um, <laughs> I just talked to a comic friend two nights ago. Um I think about it like every night. I think about it almost every day about going up again and doing it more and being up more. The every time I think about it, I think about the the great things about comedy and the great things about stand up and I love it. Um but then I have to continually remind myself about the things the reasons why I got to a breaking point where I was like I need a break. I need a breather. This is killing me. Um for me and a personal thing um, I, when I started doing comedy, I think we all kind of have this, like, it's so fun. And wouldn't this be great if this yeah. was your job and you could just go out and entertain and be fun. Um, and everybody kind of signs up for this. We, uh, I would love to be like famous in comedy. I would love to be a big comedian, a big name in comedy. 
um, that has like faded further and further and further into my stand-up. And all I really want now is to just get up in New York on a comedy stage in front of a real audience of humans and do jokes casually, maybe once a week, twice a week. I d I'm not, I'm not in it. interested in the grind. I'm not interested. I'm inter interested in the grind. I love performing. I love doing stand up. There's nothing better. I love writing jokes. I like keeping them fresh, making them better, working on it. It's so fun for me. What's not fun for me is doing 15 mics a week. 2 a.m. coming home at like at like you know when the sun is coming up and getting three hours of sleep and going to work the next day it it kills you and it is oh, dude, not I, at the max in boston i could do five to eight a week i can't imagine doing 15 but that's it's two different worlds it's so, five to eight is a hell of a grind though it's still that's there too much for me too and in the what i think a lot of people talk about it, and it's not loser talk i think it's accurate talk is that the mics aren't as helpful as one would lead you to yeah. believe because you can't grow in a vacuum there's at some point where you have to leave the open mics and yeah. work your jokes out in front of real people you're not getting the shows. feedback that you need i mean at the end of the day you are supposed to make an audience of regular people laugh and you can come up with some edgy shit in an open mic and it can help you on stage but for the most part, what you're learning how to do is entertain your peers. And there are some, obviously, there are some carryovers between that and stand-up. Uh, but it's not efficient, and it's not productive. And it's not nearly as productive as 15 mics a week would have you believe. Um, the older comics, the people who started, you know, the scene... Or say, oh yeah, I remember the days, you know, the hus the days of hustling around and getting up every night and you know doing all that stuff. But you know what they're fucking talking about? They're not talking about getting up at mics every night. They're talking about getting up on stage. stage. Yeah. They didn't go up at, at open mics every night. There weren't open mics like that. They went up at a comedy club every night because there was only like thirty of them, and they got up there and they did their set. And they sucked, and they worked on it, and they got better, and then their big names and their agents in the crowd, and blah blah blah, and the rest is history of that showbiz. Yeah. That's the world that they're telling you about. Nobody they, ever brought, brings that up. That's a great point. They never fucking. You don't hear of an old established comic even talking about an open mic because it didn't fucking exist. Yeah, it wasn't. And the bar for comedy then was lowered too. Well, <laughs> Let's be uh, honest. It's it's a different world, and that what they say is very dangerous in the hands of comedians our age because first of all there are thousands of us it's not a small market anymore no. it's not a secret anymore yeah we're all fighting for 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 stage the same time. thing or stage People, time and there's there's still more stage time than there ever was but there's still not enough for all of us no no not at all well in fact in, in older you know at the at the beginning of the comedy boom in the 70s and at the end of the comedy boom in the early 90s, there was more stages than were, were comedians. We know now, the there's not even close to the amount of stages compared to comedians. The problem is comedians. They, a lot of comedy clubs are reluctant to challenge the vets, to challenge the people who have been around for a while um, because the people who go to comedy clubs skew a little bit older. Um, remember the names and that kind of stuff. But for not the name guys, but for like the lower tier older guys... People who don't have name recognition who've been doing it for a long time, um, they they pretty much go unchallenged for the most part because they've got a regular gig. It's their jams. They're at this comedy club, you know, with some regularity. 
And if there's a younger comic that's coming up and is like, I want that spot, this happened with me. I'm speaking from personal experience. Um, I've been doing hosting at Gotham for years, and I wanted to to try out for a Friday night spot or a Saturday night spot, and because I'd always just show as a feature, just as a, that- just as a, someone who could go up and like mm-hmm. be allowed to go up. Um, I all they had seen me in was my hosting capacity and not my set, uh. and so I was like, let me let me show you that I'm a good comic, and let me go up, give me a trial set on a Friday night. And I will show you what I can do. With Let that, me show you that, that I can do the job. Yeah. And um, my man, the manager friend there um, was like, look, if I give you a spot at that show, Ugh. I'm going to have to take a spot away from somebody else. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the fucking deal, right? Yeah. Like, don't you want to put somebody up? If I beat out somebody that's good there, shouldn't I go up? Um, and it's basically kind of like a no no way situation. And they they don't have turnover like that. And I've noticed it because I've seen the same people go up all the time. They never bring in fresh new people. And I know a hundred comics that deserve to be on that stage on a Friday night. Um, so it's frustrating and on that capacity. And I have to think about when I'm reentering this atmosphere again, which is going to happen. Uh, I think about it too much for it to not happen. Yeah. Um, and literally you said it correctly. It's like you're taking a break from comedy. You didn't quit. You just took a break. I I took a break. I, like you never first, had the intention I, I wanted, of quitting. Oh, I wanted it to be a quit so Did bad. You? Oh, okay. Dennis, I wanted it to be. A Some quit. people say there's like, oh, I'm taking a break, and it was like, yeah, we're never gonna see you. Again. I, wanted, I can't imagine not never seeing you doing comedy again. I wanted to be a clean break, but <laughs> uh, but it was. It's not. It's something that's. I feel like I'm missing that element in my life right now, and I need to. A, a, Approach it differently than I did when I first got here and when I was doing it here because um, the things that I want out of it are not the same and I can at least find the things that I enjoy about it here in this chaotic environment and just do that, I guess. So um, not to sound depressing, comedy is great. (laughs) Anyone out there who's trying to be a yuckmeister, come to New York City. It's the best in the world. Well, we have that similar problem in Boston where it's like the upper level guys never moved away. Like Boston is a development town. You go there, you develop your comedy, you become really good, then you move on from there. There's a lot of people who don't move on. So like those upper level spaces are already occupied, similar to wanting to do a feature set on a Friday night at a showcase at Gotham or whatever. I think people end up having to leave before they before they can to try and do better comedy somewhere else or whatever. Yeah, that's a theory that goes around. I see it happening. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I see it. Yeah, Uh, I see people's argument on that side where I'm like, okay, I could see how that that's working out. Um, it's backwards. The whole the whole thing's mixed around because here I am. I'm saying I I don't want to be famous. I don't need to be famous. It's not a priority for me. I also don't think my ceiling is fame. I don't think I have a ceiling for famous. I have a ceiling for like yeah, that guy's pretty funny, mm-hmm. but like in the world of comedy, not like uh, that guy is a game yeah. changer. I don't think I'm a game changer guy. But um, the industry is structured where. You do mics for a while, you get your shit together, and then like you can get up on some shows. And in theory, you would think the way it works is I do a really good job at the mics, then I get on some lower level shows. I do really well at those shows. At bar so, shows, and then somebody says, "Hey, you're really good. Come on, do my show and see if you can kill it." And then you kill it on a show, and then they put you up at a club, and the club sees you, and you do really great, and you keep doing great, and then somebody sees you, and you get put on a TV show or a pilot, and then you that pilot gets picked up or Maybe you could do something else, and then you're a household name. 
And then you tour. And then, then you tour, yeah, and, yeah. It's, and then you're one of the greats. The way that it really works <laughs> is you eat shit at Mike's your whole life. <laughs> you occasionally get some bar shows. Occasionally get some nice shows. Independent of that, nothing happens. If you get famous from some other shit, <laughs> you do a web series, or you're on, uh, you're funny on Twitter, or you do some other shit, Vine, the yeah. Vine, or you you are a journalist, yeah, yeah. or an actor, and then you get up on some other show, and the show takes off, and you're famous, then you can go to a comedy club. <laughs> That's how it works. Do you know who comes to comedy clubs? Is like the people who get spots. Hey, you've seen this guy on the sitcom. What a great place to be. Here's John Fuckknuckle. <laughs> and he's going to do a set to entertain you. And he doesn't have any idea what he's doing because he's famous just from being famous on a show. He doesn't work at doing stand-up. It's like stand-up doesn't reward stand-up. Stand-up rewards Famous people, because famous people get asses in a seat. Yeah. And people don't come out to see comedy shows because they want to see comedians. They come out because they've heard of somebody and they want to see that person live. Yeah, credits don't matter as much as fame. fame credit doesn't matter, ma- matter as much as recognition. No, skill doesn't matter as much yeah. as credits, ever. And like it, it matters when you're at the show, when you're oh, listening... Yeah. Because you're like, God damn it, this guy sucks. But you know who was really funny is that guy whose name I don't know. Yeah. He was funny. That guy had a really good point about the Jews. But <laughs> this guy, you know, I mean, like the 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 courtroom is the stand-up club, is the comedy club. But the the promotion for for that place is done. The heavy lifting is done by the big name. The comedy clubs know that, so they book big name people, and it's it's hard to say how to fix it, but that's how it is. Like if there was somehow magically a demand for really funny, faceless comedy, comedy, like if people all of a sudden were just like, I don't care who is talking to me, I just, just want to laugh. Yeah, I just want to have a great time. That's an industry, baby. That's stand up. But right now, it's, it's not that way anymore. People don't go out to comedy clubs like that. They go out to comedy clubs like, we should go see a comedy show tonight. And then they're like, no. And then they're mm. like, well, I heard uh, that this guy on a sitcom is. This is, guy for, who does Talking Head on that MTV sexuality show is He's going to yeah. be there. Oh, I heard Girl Justin, Justin Bieber's going to try his hand at comedy at the cellar. Let's go see him. I'm a huge Bieber fan, I'm a believer. That's what they're called. Yeah. Um, so it's all it's Back. all screwed up right now. It's a mess. So someone needs to like like untangle what that is and start rewarding. It should be like you suck, you suck, you suck. You're great. You're great. You're great. Now you're famous. Like that's that's the order of how most yeah, things. Louis work. Louis C.K. is a great comedian, but it took him so long to be. Took famous. him so long, but let's be honest, he's famous because of his TV show. Yeah. Oh, I've said this. I yeah. may have. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. There's only been three, by my count, three comedians who have who are ever been who have ever been household names because of their comedy. I would like to see if you can name any of them. Uh, Russell Peters. Did you would you call him a household name? Uh, yeah, that's a stretch calling him a household name. He's a, he's very well known for comedy yeah. everywhere else but America, really. Yeah. Um, 
no, tell me. Uh, I want to. I, I want to say Gaffigan, but Gaffigan's done a Gaffigan. lot of. Would you say Gaffigan? Because yeah. he's done a lot of TV, but not as himself. Just he's done he's background done, characters. None of his TV so. shows really have ever picked up and like done anything. Sorry, Jim. None of your TV shows. Oh, I love this new show that he had. But yeah, but I didn't see second you season. You are alone. Oh, I am alone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he he was famous because of Hot Pockets. Yeah, his that's stand-up. because of stand up. You're right. Everybody You're right. knows him from his stand up. Brian Regan, then? Uh, not a household name. Really? You don't think Brian Regan is? No. Huh? If you ask my. Uh, here's household name test for me. Is ask your my mom? sister. Your sister? Okay. Hey, do you know who Brian Regan is? No. Do you know okay. who Bill Burr is? No. No. Okay, no. so Jim Gaffigan. All right, Jim Gaffigan is one. That's one. Um, definitely not Rodney Dangerfield. Nope. Uh, George Carlin. Carlin, yeah, he's only ever done Stand comedy. Up. He had that TV did, show on Fox for a little while that little went bit. nowhere. Went nowhere. He did some movie. He did some roles in movies. Now I'm not saying that these guys didn't do other, other things. things, but they're known because they're a comedian. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, not Seinfeld. Seinfeld is a household name because of Seinfeld. Uh, oh, the, the show. TV show. Yeah. He was well, because of funny. what, like third season. Yeah. Uh, not even the first two seasons. Yeah. Uh, or fourth, I think it was like fourth season that really took off. But um, let me think. Uh, Isn't this funny, by the way, that we're talking about in the industry of stand-up comedy, and we can't even name, name. more than two people who are famous, who are ever because famous of it. because of it. Um, who's the big, third? Uh, Dane Cook. Dane Cook. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Dane Cook would be the he third. He did movies after he was famous from stand-up. You're right. Those are the three. Dude, Dane, Dane Cook, Cook was, got ran out of fucking Boston for being too good at stand-up. He was Dane Cook, Jim Gaffigan, and George Carlin are the only three people that I can ever think of that were famous because of stand-up. That are household names because of stand-up comedy. Um, Kevin you know, Hart did movies, yeah. Kevin Chris Hart Rock? No. Chris Rock. SNL. Wasn't he on SNL? He was on SNL, but he was definitely not famous for SNL. Well, Chris Rock, I feel like, was famous because of his movies more than it was his stand-up. I, I don't know. I, that I think one, his movies came after his stand-up. You think? Because I feel like he was he was killing it in the stand-up ring, and then people put him on TV and put him on movies, and then people were like, Chris Rock. And then he did some specials. Because I don't think, like, trust me, there's a lot of people who don't remember Chris Rock being on SNL. All right. Because I think it was, yeah, he did SNL, he did movies, but I think a lot of it, I think people know him better as a stand-up. And known because of stand up more than those I'll, other things. I'll allow him as a I'll as an as alternate. Yeah, as an alternate. <laughs> I'll have to do research on Chris because I, I don't know which came first with him, but I know that his like his big specials. Yeah, I think his HBO specials already, were what because he did these his, things and he got bigger for stand up after those things, but it was the stand up that everyone knew. Okay, I, I think he, while being on SNL, not a lot of people remember him being on SNL. Okay, I'll, I'll allow it. I mean, for, I'll, what was it? I'm gonna get you, sucker. He's like. How much for a sprite? Yeah, <laughs> give me. I'll give you ten cents. You just let me suck out the foam. How much for one rib? Like That's that good. was there, but nobody remembers he did that. Yeah, like nobody watched it and and uh, watch. I'm gonna get Chris you sucker and and, okay. and go. That Chris Rock guy who did the rib thing, he's funny. Okay, that's you fair. go. Oh shit. That's the guy who did the rib, th- or uh, oh shit, that rib guy is Chris Rock. Yeah, like ten years after you do a rewatch and you re- realize it's Chris that's Rock. Fair. Okay. CB4, I think, is the same thing. Like, yeah. CB4 was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, Chris Rock. Oh, Chris Rock I'm was in CB4. Like, I got to go, like, IMDB some stuff yeah. with him to, to, like, to give him the full pass. But I'll, give <laughs> a, I'll give him a temp pass, okay. a visitor's pass into this, <laughs> this world. But that's, that's, that's the exact point that I'm talking about of why this is such a frustrating field yeah. is because the thing that I love doing is stand-up. And the thing that I want to do is stand-up. Stand up. But stand-up doesn't reward stand-up. Stand up. Uh, because right. because people audiences don't care, <laughs> they don't care about a very very funny stand up comic. They care about somebody that they see on TV. Yep, 
Well, you get burned by enough comedy out there. That's kind of the reason oh, why yeah. that happens. We, we, There's so many bad, so many bad comedy shows. Very bad, and it's it's also gotten worse the more people who've done it. Yeah, because um, there's also like there's people who that well because marketing falls into that. So yeah. that's the, one of the big problems. Here's is, the it, funniest fucking person you've no. ever seen, and they're like, uh, <laughs> so yeah. my dick is weird. There's a, and I'll I'll call no. them out. There's a there's a bunch of a bunch of guys who started doing started booking their shows within a year of doing comedy. A group of them that got together have been doing comedy two th- uh, between all of them, maybe two or three years max. Mm. Like literally, if you put all their comedy years together, mm. it still doesn't equal the six years I've been doing comedy. They still doubled it. But they started doing a, a show at a place. They started calling it a comedy club at a bo- at this place, uh, and they 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 book good shows, but they also book themselves on who aren't. Some of them aren't the best. Burns but anyway, the, the point out. is, every week it's the Boston, uh, Boston's best showcase. Yeah, or the or uh, Boston's best, and it's like, no, you're not booking Boston's best. You know what's funny? You're 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 lying to your audience every time you say that. There's good comedians on this, yes, but Boston's best. You're flat out lying to your audiences, and that's you're creating. You're doing more of a disservice for audiences, and that's why you have a trouble with people not coming back to your shows because they see two or three terrible comedians yeah. out of eight, four are good. Two yeah. are okay, and two are fucking god awful, and all they're gonna remember is the god awful ones. Yeah, they'll remember. They might remember a good joke from a good one, and then all the bad ones. Uh, the funniest thing about this whole situation is when somebody, a regular human, says, "Oh, we're gonna go to a comedy show." What are they usually most surprised with? They're usually surprised if it was funny. Yeah, isn't that isn't that <laughs> fucked up? You no, know, I'm really. Surprise. That was actually we pretty really funny. good. It's like, what? Every, That's what you came here for. Your expectation <laughs> to go to a comedy club is like you're you're going to see stand-up and your expectation is that it's going to be bad. Hey, let's go to the garden and see Billy Joel. Do you know what? He can play the piano He's really well. He's actually pretty good. At the piano. Like <laughs> I, I, it was actually, anytime someone's ever told me, I went to a comedy show last night. How was it? It was actually pretty good. Actually, always say that. It was actually, actually pretty yeah. good. You know? Yeah. You know? Oh, they would. Be, it was actually pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, that's it's the supposed point. to be. The point is, it's supposed to be fucking funny. And uh, it's not. That's right. We we live in that world that that happens. So. Yeah, huge problem. All right. So anyway, Ben, this was great. Thank you for great having conversation. Me. No, thanks for coming in. Yeah, I feel juiced up. <laughs> I'm gonna go. You're, you're gonna go do an open mic tomorrow. Now I'm gonna go do all the open mics and be like, it's actually <laughs> terrible. <laughs> actually, as terrible yeah, as I remember. Actually, like. terrible. <laughs> And there you have it, my episode with BuzzFeed writer and comedian Ben Rosen. Uh, Very interesting. He got into BuzzFeed, especially since he was talking about starting in the earlier days uh, when it wasn't uh, as big of the publication as it is now and getting into the advertising world uh, just by chance. So good for him. I'm glad things are working out for him. Uh, I I did spring the asexuality uh, conversation on him a little bit, but he's like, nah, you didn't spring it on me. I talk about it all the time. I make jokes about it. And I, I didn't tell him ahead of time though, that I wanted to talk about that. And I almost felt bad, but he was like, no, dude, it's, it's something that I talk about. It's something that I opened up about years ago. And I'm glad that you asked about it. And I'm glad that we talked about it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm, if I necessarily fall into that category. So it's something that I've thought about and I've looked into a little bit, but I don't know if it's me yet or not. Like I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of interest in other people, (laughs) you know? So I don't know. 
that's uh, something too that we're that I'll still keep looking into and seeing how it goes. Um, so yeah, kind of got real for a minute there, right? Got a little weird, did it? I'm sorry, but uh, I love that I haven't been on the program because Ben knew how to be a guest. Ben knew how to talk. I give him a subject, boom, he starts talking about it, and he he keeps going, and he can stop and riff and pick right back up. Uh, that was so much fun, just being able to riff jokes with him, just joke around, and, and then hit right back into the story without having to lose our place. Uh, that's that's the mark of a professional, and I'm glad I had him on it. Yeah, That was one thing that kept me from doing a podcast, is I didn't want to work with people who didn't know how to speak into a microphone, who didn't know how to be interviewed, who didn't know how to entertain, be entertaining. I did that before when I started doing internet radio in college. I had a local music program, uh, One Step Behind is what I used to call it, on E-Radio, WMCR at Montgomery College in Rockville. Shout out, college alumni, what? All right, no, nobody's listening. Nobody from that school is listening to this. But, no, I. that's what, so I, I would interview local bands, and they would come on the show, and we'd be great and joking around, having a great time and everything. And then as soon as the mics go on, it's like, hey, what's going on? I'm in the studio here with so-and-so band. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Tell, them what, tell the people listening what instrument you play. And they would just go, hi. They would just instantly shut down and become afraid of the microphones. And it was pulling teeth interviews, trying to ask them questions because they didn't. They weren't used to talking on a microphone in a radio studio. I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to do that at 35. Have to just pull conversation out of people's faces. Luckily, I didn't with Ben. And most of my guests, I didn't have to so far. Everybody knows what they're... I guess maybe it's a different age. You know, We're all different ages. Maybe it's a different time. People are more used to being open, I guess. I don't know. I can't... I haven't thought about that. So if you want to check things out, if you're listening to this, uh, October 17th and 24th, Terry O'Reilly's in Newton Center. Uh, I will be in the production of The Weir. If you've ever had the desire to see me drink nine beers and try to talk with an Irish accent, this is your time, people. October 17th, 24th. Uh, if, just follow me on social media. I'm sure I've tweeted. I have tweeted the links, and I'll tweet it a couple more times to tickets if you want to buy tickets in advance or just show up like 730. That sounds like a good time. Terry Riley says great food. So, you know, get a good dinner, a couple good beers in you, have a nice entertainment. And the way we're doing this is why I'm really excited about this play. One, it's the first time I get to do any real acting in a long time. Uh, we'll see how well that goes. But the way we're doing the play is in the round. Uh, if you're not familiar with theater, there's proscenium, which is just good old fashioned theater, a stage, audience, blah, blah, blah. And then there's in the round, which is basically the audience surrounds you, hence the name. The way we're doing it is all the the audience is sitting in the bar. The entire play takes place in a bar. And the audience is sitting around the bar. It's only supposed to be the five of us. So everyone else is sitting around us as we perform the play. That's kind of cool. Like, especially when you think about it, like the the entire story is about uh, ghost stories. Everyone tells ghost stories. Uh, So it's almost as if the audience are a bunch of ghosts just sitting in the bar watching us have conversations. You know, it's kind of exciting. I'm kind of excited about it. So if you enjoy good theater, uh, The Weir by Connor McPherson, we will be doing that. I will be in it. I'm playing Jim, if you're familiar with it. I don't know if you are or not. Maybe you'll look it up. Anyway, if you want to see that. And also, uh, I got comedy shows coming up. You can check all that out. Uh, You know, there's links to buy tickets to The Weir. 
uh, at deadairdentist.com, my website where you went to to get this podcast anyway. Uh, I know uh, November 2nd I will be on Radio Air Regardless, which is an internet radio station. So anywhere in the world, you don't have to be in the Boston area. Anywhere in the world, you have an internet access, you can go to it. Um, and also November 12th. That's the important one. November 12th, I am doing ugh, the second annual North Shore Funniest Comedian Contest. Or North Shore's Last Comic Standing Kindness. I don't know. One of those dumb names. Uh, it's going to be a comedy competition. I am competing uh, against other fellow comedians that I know to see who is the funniest. I willingly accepted this. Uh, I don't really like these things. But for some reason, I, I decided to do this one. And I booked it months ago, like four months in advance. So now I can't get out. That's one of the reasons why I'm not going to New York. Is because that weekend is the that show. That show, the weekend I bought tickets for, it's the same same week as that show. So after I bought them, I was like, ugh. So I may just pay the fee to move it. That way I can get one more trip into New York. Because I'm not going this weekend uh, to New York. Because I had a show that was booked. And again, same situation. Bought the ticket and then forgot that I already had a show booked. That booked months in advance. Already on my website. Ugh, I'm an idiot. But the show got moved too. So now I have the weekend free. But I have rehearsals for the weir. And I'm broke. I'm not going to go spend a weekend in New York. But I wanted to a little bit. Totally wanted to. But I'm not going to. But I'm going to spend another one before the winter's over. At least one more. Um, if not, I should just impromptu go to New York. Eh, not impromptu. I need, I need to plan things. I need to be organized and planned. But i got a lot of things going on with this whole play tour that I'm joining. Because I need the money. And it's acting. It's fun. It's improv acting, mostly. Something like that. It's a it's a murder mystery tour. Okay, you heard it. All right, anyway. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you found Ben Rosen to be hilarious and interesting, as I do find him hilarious and interesting. And I'm glad I have his friendship. I can't wait to go see him again. Next time I go to New York, we'll hang out. Maybe I'll drag him out to an open mic. Or maybe he'll come here to Boston, and him and I will get to hang out on comedy shows. I hope he doesn't quit comedy for good. I don't think he will. I hope he gets back into it. He will. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed everything. Um, Do me a favor. If you're new to the podcast or if you're not, if you have not done this yet, please go to whatever medium you're listening to, whether it be iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher uh, or podcast for Android or whatever it's called, whatever list, however you're listening to this podcast, do me a favor, subscribe and leave a comment. Comment helps uh, this podcast to be shared with more people. The more people that rate and review the podcast, uh, the more it's going to get shared with other people. The more it gets shared with other people, the more my listeners get to be shared with other people, with other listeners. So my guests can be shared with more listeners um, by recommendation, algorithms and crap like that. So if you have the few minutes, do me the favor, subscribe, rate, review. Thank you guys so much for listening. I always appreciate it. Take care. Goodbye.